Ward Podcast no, episode 30. No, <laughs> no, Ward Podcast episode 30, go. Yeah. Hi, Dan. Hi, Mason. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Mason. Hi, Alex. Hi, Mason. Hi, Will. What's up, Mason? Will Blanton. How you doing? Of the Richmond, Virginia RVA Game Jams fame. Oh, yeah. What's up, man? Same old, same old. Yeah? Just game, making games. All right, cool. That's enough of Will. Hey, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, Will, who are you? Uh, so, uh, I, I started RVA Game Jams with my bud, Lauren Vincelli. Uh, I have a game company called Hyperreal. We made Red Shift, Blue Shift last year, or this year. How do you spell Hyperreal? H-Y-P-Y-R-Y-L. Okay. Duh. We're like kind of like a no-vowel company. Mm. That's your stance? Is that your stance? Sometimes why? Sometimes. Sometimes why? (laughs) Sometimes why can come over. A no-vowel come. (laughs) Why? So yeah, you you made RVA Game Gems, which Mm. is kind of what got Dylan and I into making games right dylan it started like this we were like we want to make games and mason's like we should go to one of those meets we should go to one of those meets and then i went to one of those meets by myself <laughs> oh wow because mason was like i'm busy uh cold that is exactly it. i went to one with you before yeah. our first game jam yeah i think wendy and i went to one and then you, you and went, I went to one to about the... walk cycles yeah that was one ruthie, oh, cool, ruthie yeah. hosted so how long have you been doing game jams oh man i think it's gonna be like four years in august uh, and I started doing game jams uh, a couple months before that. So, what'd you do when before you had your your collective going? Uh, nothing. You like, did it at home, or yeah, like basically, I'd always wanted to make games, and I never did. And then I started trying to, uh-huh. and I still like sucked at it. <laughs> and I did like a Ludum Dare, and I made like you know now I'd go back and be like, this is a piece of wood, but like. <laughs> It was pretty awesome for then. So I was just like, game jams are where it's at. And you started with Hacks Flexel, or what did you start with? I started with Flexel Flexel. Flexel Flexel. Like, that was that was back... I still don't quite understand. Well, I think Hacks is a library, right? Yeah, okay. so, so Hacks is like a toolkit and a language. Okay. Uh, Flexel, just vanilla Flexel, was like a action script library created hmm. by the dude that made like Cannabalt. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Like Adam okay. Saltzman, so... That makes sense then, because when you go to the Flexel page, I feel like Cannonball's featured, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, basically, like that, like Adam kind of moved on from that, and he's doing other stuff. Um, and then, like, that library kind of became like nobody was working on it or anything; it wasn't mm-hmm. being actively developed or anything. So, like, bugs remained, and you weren't getting features. And like, I mean, like, basically, Flexel stopped getting work done on it before. Was Adobe like- gave up on Flash. So like- <laughs> it was like you click on it and it just takes you to a, a Git repo that hasn't been updated in yeah. three years or something. Yeah, and there were a few people that would like try and kind of contribute to it or whatever, but it was just kind of like it. It's it, it, it started like it used to be like this really great open source project, and then you know once you see like that not getting work but getting forked all the time, uh-huh. then it's like okay, this is like starting to become like depreciated or whatever. Right. And so I tried a few other like versions of it. I tried one for like Android, which was like all Java, and it was kind of like Flixel using uh, libgdx or whatever. I don't know if that's right, but it kind of sucked. <laughs> and I, I tried Hacks Flixel, and that kind of sucked. 
And then I tried phaser and that was okay, but it wasn't really quite what I was used to. And like working with HTML five had its own kind of like set of bullshit that I had to deal with. Yeah. I don't know. Is this a, is this an R rated? Oh, you can say whatever you want. And so (laughs) just ignore whatever iTunes says, cause they're, they're wrong. (laughs) So um, whatever you want, (laughs) (laughs) but so I was just kind of like, man, I didn't like, I guess I'll just keep using Flixel. So then I tried doing like native builds like for Windows. And that was like using Air, which Adobe was kind of like not cared about or anything. So it was just like this nightmare where I was like, everything I've learned in the past year is just like totally out the window. And then somebody was like, you should try Hexlix. And I was like, I did. It sucked. And they're like, no, but you should try it again. And like they had like kind of like geared shit up a lot so you should try my hex flex when he slides a cd <laughs> across <laughs> the table <laughs> you want to pick up that weight <laughs> try hex Flixel. so yeah so now hex is really great like they just released 4.0 so it's like actively being developed and getting new features Who, so is it is the comp is it what's who's the one that's in charge of it it's a community thing. Yeah, think, it's open source. Yeah, so it's open source. I think the dude that started it is like this crazy Eastern European dude. Not usually. That uh, he's he's like really like he's not really involved in the community, and he's like kind of crazy, <laughs> and he's awesome, and like Tim that's kind and, of and McAfee and like <laughs> <laughs> smoking crack in his mansion. <laughs> Basalts. That's like that's like why I first checked it out. I was like, this dude's crazy. This is awesome. Like, um, and then. Uh, Several people have kind of worked on it. This dude, Sam, Game Dev Sam's worked on it a lot. Uh, this dude now, Gamma11, I don't even know his real name, uh, works on it a ton now. I mean, like, it's it's got a lot of really good contributors. So. Right. And you made Redship, I mean, Redship. One ship, two one ship. One ship, two ship, Redship, blue ship. One ship, two ship. One ship. Yeah. One ship, two, two ship. ship. Redshift, <laughs> two no, blue shift. One blue, two red. <laughs> no. I mean, old priest and young priest. One ship, two ship. With that hacks. Yeah, on. yeah. So that was the first game we saw you make. Yeah. So uh-huh. we show up and we're like, oh, we can make games. And then you show up and make this crazy, awesome multiplayer Pong Galaga mashup. <laughs> Is that a fair description of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, And it was just like... We can't make games. Where, what are we doing here? <laughs> but I mean, but, like, that's just like... Like you said, it's just like Pong and like galaga oh but you're but will you put a level of polish on things in two days that i mean yeah we're or three days i mean what is your what's your process in going to that is it always like all right just like game mechanics i'm going to spend like just i'm just going to synthesize the game mechanics way down then just polish the rest of the time because i remember when you did the one screen rpg right that first night you were just, you were like, I saw, I looked over and you were like doing the pixel art for the well in the middle of the town and everything. It was like, you're already going on the, on the art side. Uh, for like, so one thing that I'm not that great at is gameplay, like game mechanics. Like, um, so what I really focus on is like the feedback that a game gives you. And that's just like, how good does this feel to play? So if I'm playing a game that I'm making, I try and focus on like, well, this needs to feel better. Like, and that's, that's like pretty much, that's like 90% of my process. It's just like, this needs to feel better. And that leaks into the code that leaks into how I'm like procedurally like, uh, messing with the art. And it also like leaks into like animation and stuff. So 
Well, that's do you like, do, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do you do any kind of uh, user testing to get that feel down? Do you, once you, as you're developing your games, do you, you know, send it off to friends and trusted people in your, in your circle and say, hey, what do you feel about this? How is this playing? Or, or do you kind of really start with your own in, impulses and say, I think this is what needs to happen. This feels a little better. This feels a little worse. Uh, and take it from there. What's, what's your process there? So I usually try and do everything myself. And then I'll send out copies to people um, and just try, like, basically, I, I prefer to, like, watch people play it, like, live. Mm. Um, and I might send copies out. But, like, with user testing, I found that, like, it's best to just do it blind. Like, just be like, hey, play this game. Like, don't even be like, can you beta test it? Just, just be like, right, check out my game. Yeah. Because, like, when people are beta testing, they're, like, basically, you want to get, yeah, you want to get their real reaction. You don't want to get their... I mean, like, me personally, I don't know anything about game development. So, like, why would I trust somebody else to be like, <laughs> right. I think what you should do is balance the, how many coins there are in the level. And it's just like that kind of feedback. Can you like, tighten up the levels and right. uh, graphics yeah. on level five? Yeah, like, that's totally useless information to me. Like, uh, So it's, it's way more important to just watch people play and, like, actually have fun with it. See where they're having trouble. Um, and, and, like... It's the kind of thing where, like, that kind of feedback is, like, completely priceless. So, like, I totally value people testing my games. But the feedback that they give is sometimes, like, it, it's not necessarily wrong, but it's informed by their own, like, completely subjective experience. Sure. And so you try and take, like, that kind of feedback and you say, like, okay, well, they, they're having trouble. Like, Redshift, Blue Shift, people kind of had trouble... Uh, knowing what's going on on the screen right and so like they would just say like you need to tone down the particle effects and it's like well the particle effects are what makes the game pop like right if it, didn't it has have that crunch effects, right if it didn't have all that stuff going on then basically the game would look like shit and so <laughs> it's like we need like what we did then was we said okay well so like what are they not seeing they're not seeing where the ball is so we add a trail to the ball and that helps a little bit and then they're like you know and also we don't know when we're getting the shield. So now we have like a notification when you get the shield that like pops up where the shield uh, capsule thing that you shoot is uh, first bust open. So like we try to identify like where are the people looking? They're yeah. usually looking at the action and not the ship. So like having the shield bubble come up on the ship is like not the best feedback. My so best having that you. notification up where the action is. That tells them that they got the shield. And so, yeah. like, there's just a lot of stuff that you kind of, you don't really, when they say they have a problem and tell you what the problem is, you have to really identify, like, what's the, the really real problem. problem. Yeah. yeah. It's what they say versus what yeah. they mean. Because, yeah. like, I, I, and I've read that before about, you know, people trying to backseat game dev or backseat, mm -hmm. right? Because, um, like, you want to hear someone say, I have this issue, not I have this issue and here's how to solve it. Because right. that's your job. Yeah. Um, and they do something like that for like Pixar where they have that brain trust. Have you heard of the brain trust? Like their big review board where they wow. they have all like their, you know, John Laster, Ed Catmull, like all the like heads of state inside Pixar. They get every script and they go through this table and they all read it and then they all give their feedback. But what feedback they give is say, here are the issues I'm finding. Like this is where the plot isn't adding up. But they don't say this is what you do to change it. They give it back right. to the director or the le lead writer and say, go make your changes. Right. Because it's it's the writer's creation, so it's their job to 
make their corrections and what they see as the correct yeah. corrections to make. That's something that's kind of <clears throat> where the fun comes in. Um, cause I watch, I watched you watch you, you, you like to watch people play your games. I think that's like half the fun mm-hmm. of making games. And I, I totally agree with that. Like, like that's my favorite thing in the whole world. Um, but I think the fun in terms of, of game design is more kind of not even what they're saying to you when they're playing, but just kind of watching how they interact with something new to them. Right. And that's like, and we, we had to make a board game this year and, and we did, I, I, I would test the game. I just had a sheet of paper that the game was on, you know? Mm-hmm. And my favorite part of the feedback was I really liked hearing what they had, their thoughts on the game, but I liked more watching where they would struggle just in their face or like in their, in their actions. I think that's more indicative of how they feel. And I think as a game designer, that's where you can kind of have, um, you know, like basketball is the shooter's touch when you get that little influence on the ball, but as a game designer, like that's our touch where we can kind of react to how people are playing. And then, cause you don't, you don't want the experience they want to have. You want to create the experience that you had in your mind right. and have them enjoy that experience. Yeah. And I think one thing that you do really well from what I've seen, um, Stalking you make you. games, huh? Watching you at night <laughs> all the time. <laughs> For 12 hours. What's we'll doing? Um, no, but you're, you know, you talked about you, you like it to feel really good. And I think that's something that, that we want to try to do more so with our games. Um, and your games, it's, it's not just the way that they control, but it's like the, the audio effects that come up and the particle effect. Like, I think that makes like a Will Blend ass mm-hmm. game. It's like when it's just like, it just, it's crunchy. Like it feels, it feels like it's, it's, it's real. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people, I think that's why your games do well in the game jam too, because there's that right. immediate feedback, and I think that that goes a long way, um, in, in really fun games. It's like when it's you know, I mean, you saw you saw that with Bedhog, like he came in first. Yeah, and like I didn't <laughs> even that, that was crazy because like I was just like, this is gonna be my bullshit game. Like this is gonna be just me having fun. Like, oh, that's but that's your response to each one. You're like, I don't know, I'm good. Yeah, do. but that's uh. after giving up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so so this time I just went in straight up, just like I'm just gonna really bullshit this one, and then it. Well, so, okay, so I have a theory about that and Redshift Blue Ship doing re- really well at Ludum Dari. So, Ludum Dari is a peer reviewed thing, right? Yeah. So, if it was audience reviewed, I don't think I would have done as well with Bedhog. And the reason is because uh, when people are sitting down to play a bunch of Ludum Dari games, they're usually at their computer with their keyboard by themselves. And so, both with Redshift Blue Shift and with Bedhog, they were local multiplayer, feels good with a controller. If you need to use the keyboard, you can do that. But, like, trust me, use the controller. Um, so what, what happens, I think, is people play it, and then they get their impression of it, and hopefully that impression is pretty good. But then in the back of their heads, they're going, and this would be so much better with if I had a friend with two controllers. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's a good... I, I still feel like even eliciting that reaction... <sighs> I think you're right. The peer review thing also, there are all people that have gone into making games. Mm. Yeah, so you also have that, like, that aspiration like, oh man, this is well thought through. Mm-hmm. I think that does influence it a lot. But right. also I think if, if you sit down and feel a game and you're like, like we, have you heard of the game Gang Beast? Yeah. Okay, so we, we play, I showed it to him <laughs> and I might have overhyped it, but I thought it was amazing. because we, we, I mean, we loved it. I thought, I, I love Gang Beast. This game that you, this, as soon as you sit down and play it, you're like, I want to have everyone in the room play this. And like, I, we that's like our 90% of our friendship is just playing local multiplayer games and I guess making games too sometimes sometimes but <laughs> when we have time I think it's a really it's a really hard design thing because if you can make something that you immediately want to play with other people that's a really good design touch so mm-hmm. I think it's still you know it reads um, I think it's funny that it it's so I think multiplayer games are, are hard to design but when you get that loop down 
they're really effective because it's it's usually a simple loop you know what i mean yeah. and then and you the gameplay comes from the subtlety and the mastery of, of the mechanics against each other so like you know like a racing game once you make that loop like right it's now about exploiting the loop yeah and it's also like you're 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 you normally try and wow gamers with like cool stuff in your game but with local multiplayer you can rely on other people adding that cool the factor. hype yeah. factor yeah just like i mean like you can people can still sit down and play pong for hours and have fun with each other because like the fun is like you know the trash talking the goofiness i mean I will, defeating other people i will say the ai you have for one ship two ship is like pretty fuckery like i mean it took me a couple a couple <laughs> games to get around that thing yeah that's that's all alan like so in the original ludum Dari build like i just made it so the ship would like always try to be under the ball but it would adjust its acceleration instead of its velocity so it would kind of like wiggle around yeah because it was just I, kind I saw of like that. a drunk person yeah, playing i saw something. that parabolic effect it kind yeah. of had and so alan my partner at hyperreal he like made this like insane kick-ass ai and we've had to like dumb it down <laughs> so much but like so i think the 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 goal of it was to make it so that extremely good players can still like play against the ai and still get challenged like if i play against the ai there's like a 50-50 chance that i'm going to win but like if i were to play against the ludum dare ai i'd win every time is it adaptive is that why or yeah it's kind of adaptive it has like this like it, it starts off kind of passive and then gets more aggressive um, as you get more aggressive. When, you, when you're playing, like, the hardest AI, it's, like, pretty much just, like, I'm straight up aggressive. But, like, when you start an easy game, it, like, starts off and it doesn't shoot at anything. And it's just kind of, like, doing its thing. And it kind of gets you into it. And if, like, it makes a goal, it stays pretty passive. But if you, when, as players learn, like, when they start scoring goals, it gets a little bit more aggressive. And so it's still pretty tough for uh people playing on easy that are new to the game to win uh-huh. but it's it's not like it's not like the ai is just destroying them immediately like <laughs> it'll try and draw a game out well stuff. blends working out his rage through his game again yeah pretty much yeah. the ship just comes up Fucking to the edge nerd. of the screen and just bounces just keeps the <laughs> yeah. ball up there and just keeps dribbling it <laughs> and then like a, a like a like a low res photo of will blend that's yeah. how we make games. <laughs> yeah. No, we make games where you can fail at putting your pants on. <laughs> um, I don't need a game for that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, the, the RVA game jam scene is kind of, you know, we think it's fucking awesome and like a super cool yeah. scene. And it seems like you guys have, it's gotten bigger and it's pretty baller. Like, it's, it's all, it's so cool. Like, it's like when, 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 we, when we first started, I was just like, you know, I have like two or three friends that really want to make video games and they're not. And so I was like, I'll do this. They'll come, they'll make video games. And then like my friends will be happy. You know, it was kind of like, what can I do to make my friends happy that like, cause you know, I didn't make video games for so long and I really wanted to. And this was my way to step up and make video games. So I was just like, this will work for my friends. And a lot of my friends flaked out or whatever. <laughs> or they're just like, maybe not as into making games as I thought. Maybe I was projecting my own. <laughs> my but friends I mean, will love this. <laughs> yeah. My, um, that, that was the same response uh, Lauren gave me when I asked her about it. Like why I started it. And she's like, I wanted to make Will's dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lauren's like, Lauren's like, if you, if you ever want like the best friend, like go meet Lauren. <laughs> And be really nice, 
and she'll be your friend and she's like she's super great. solid friend. Yeah. She's I mean both of you guys are we are forever thankful that you guys do what you do cuz it's so sweet. Um and you're great like standard to like hold ourselves up to cuz like I mean you're you're pretty diligent about continuously working like that and so you're oh, yeah. so, just so into your own stuff it's obnoxious like it's <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're like the most humble guy in the world cuz you're like yeah, this is probably going to suck. And then you pull up this thing and we're like this week. <laughs> uh, but we always look forward to seeing I mean it's it's always awesome it's and then, you fun. know I, I always really like your you do cool stuff with with sound for like the player feedback oh yeah and I'm, I'm really jealous of that and I always try to think of ways that we can do more of that yeah sound that, is one of those things especially in a game jam where you just like get to the last few hours and you're like okay this just doesn't have sound but like it's totally worth like being like okay I'm not gonna have a title menu I'm just gonna put sound in yeah it's like and also in a game jam like that's another thing so many projects have either no sound or like very minimal sound if you put sound in your game then already people are like playing a bunch of games with crappy sound and then getting to your game and being like wow this suddenly feels like professional or whatever but it's really just you put sound in it like, and also like i think sound goes a long way in games at setting like a tone and an energy oh, yeah. like you know like when you have that high pace like just boom 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 you're like fuck i gotta win or like when we made peak we put this like really eerie soundtrack on it that i think kind of like mm-hmm. people were into or at least in the comments yeah and i think that um and morning had a cool just you know it felt like a felt like it, it kind of like works chipper like mm. active um, and it's great in Unity because you can just drag and drop it. And you're like, all right, there's a, there's so a, awesome. oh, yeah, there's yeah. a sound. There's your background music. <laughs> so, uh, well, we used to talk about kind of, you know, if we've been playing games, what we've been playing and kind of what, so you've been playing any games lately? Or? Uh, I went over to Andrew's house, another RVA game jams, dude. And uh, we played some Dr. Dollars. Mario. He destroyed yeah. nice. He like Dr. obliterated Dr. Mario. I thought I was gonna do okay because like I he was also like, like puzzle fighter. I don't know. I'll All have right. to ask him. But he's he used to be like number nineteen in the world in Tetris. Or Jesus something. Christ! So like, wow. Yeah. So it's like him. I was, and, uh, I was a little bit. Of, I was, it was maybe it, it was too big for my bridges or something. <laughs> it's him like, and Steve Wozniak just duking that? it out. Hey, you want to come play Doctor Mario? <laughs> when I was when I, when I was a kid, I. uh you know, I had all my games, and I and I grew up when my parents were divorced, and and so I spent most of my time at my mom's house, and I was an only child. So I was like, "Hey, mom, you want to play some video games with me?" And she's like, "Oh, I can't figure that shit out. I don't want to play video games." Oh, my mom, my mom would have said shit. Smoked a cigarette. I would like to, but I can't figure it out. But then she decided she loved Doctor Mario, and she became insanely good at Dr. Mario. <laughs> so I couldn't get my mother to play a single video game with me when I was a kid, but man, she could throw down on some Dr. Mario. So do is you... your mom's name Andrew? <laughs> no. <laughs> so do you know the thing with, um, so Steve Wozniak is also like up there with Tetris, right? And he's like, he was like number one at one point, like constantly oh, wow. sending his score into Nintendo power and he would be rank one. He was, and he played on the Game Boy, he played the Game Boy version. He would burn through cartridges. So he would just bulk buy Tetris wow. cartridges off of eBay or something wow. because like he would play it so much you'd burn up the cartridge or burn Whoa. out the battery. I feel like when you buy one box in bulk, you're probably good. How fast? Are you, what's the burn rate on those yeah. cartridges? But it's also funny because like Whoa. they made so many Tetris carts. Like I went to a retro game store once and they had like a stack. Like we had two in my house going up for half game a Boy, foot high. for a Game yeah. Boy Pocket because my parents both had it. Really? Yeah. So you've been playing Doctor Mario? Yeah. I assume it sounds like you got your ass kicked. Well, <laughs> so I, I practiced a few months ago 
Oh, and I, I was getting how on. Yeah, I got to level 22. So, like, it goes up to level 20, the level select, right? And, like, my dad was way into Dr. Mark. Like, he was getting... he. I, I watched him get to, like, level 26, level 30, and I was just like, this yeah. is absurd. Like, this you can't beat your dad. <laughs> yeah, this is basically just, <laughs> like... It, it becomes, like, a precognition <laughs> so, thing. Yeah. Like, you're turning the, the pills before they even come in. Yeah. Yeah. What, is, what does the bottle look like at that level? Is it just filled with viruses? Yeah, you have, yeah, you have like, two or three spaces <laughs> in which to navigate. And, yeah. like... It's it's crazy because like you think you're okay after you get rid of like the first few rows and you're like, all right, got some breathing room, but then they just start coming faster and it's just yep. like it's bullshit. It's, it's torture. <laughs> but yeah, so when I played single player, it was just like, all right, I'm chilled out. I'm just like trying to like get my cognitive shit going and like figuring out like okay, I know what the next pill is. I know where that's gonna go. So like if you get a step ahead, you're kind of okay. But multiplayer, man, like that's yeah. different. That's way different. I believe it. So yeah. it's two bottles side by side, and do you get the same color pills at the same time? Yeah, or? so we're not really sure, but like it definitely starts off with the same bottles and the same starting few pills. Yeah. And so like I don't know how it works. I think Tetris kind of has like the set, and I think it's like I think it might be like two or three pieces, uh, two or three each of each piece in each set, and then it like shuffles. Randomizes it. the three. I think I, I, think I don't know. I don't be. really know, but like it, it's it's Tetris Battle like, is that the name of the game? Battle Tetris, the Japanese one. Mm-hmm. There's one that's one? awesome. I think it is Battle Tetris. The multiplayer one, but it's yeah. different. But keep going, sorry. But so with Doctor Mario, it might be the same where like you get the first few and then it starts. We weren't really sure because it was too intense. Uh, Sweating. <laughs> maybe we can like figure it out by like playing on like really low levels or something. But yeah. Um, so yeah. So when you get uh, combos, it sends like single pills down to the other player yeah and that i remember that yeah yeah that's how most like battle modes of puzzle games like knock a line down it would add a line to the other one well it'll it'll add pieces pieces Um, will then fall i want to know in what world like they're like all right dr mario the viruses are in the pill bottle like like, in there i feel like the doctor rapper came later on because they're like i don't know Pills before the FDA said you had to have the extra ceiling on it. Well, well it's kind of like it doesn't make any sense. So the so the uh, composer for Doctor Mario was the same composer for the NES Tetris, um, in the in the Game Boy Tetris. And I just love how there's always an A mode and a B mode music yeah. just. Or is like what heat and chill were the two Fever music and chill, yeah. Fever and chill, Fever and chill, yeah. For Tetris, no, for, for Doctor Mario. Mario. No, I'm not as familiar. <laughs> I remember when I was like, oh, fuck, Dr. Mario, this is going to be sweet. It's going to be like Operation. And I'm like, it's just Tetris. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? But it uses the back color World. versus shape. I mean, it's, you know, it's, no, it's, no, a, it's no, a classic. Dr. Mario is a super awesome game. It's its own, it's its own flavor of puzzle game. Played Dr. Mario for the first time in Animal Crossing for GameCube. Oh, wow. Because you get the little NES cartridges. Because yeah. huh. we had an NES growing up, but all we huh. had was Mario and... Some educational game. And then Legend of Zelda. I mean, Mario's it, not it, educational? It was like a Mario education game. Huh. Joe and I talked about it several had, times. On uh, Super Nintendo, I had um, Mario's Time Machine. And you had to go back and... Is that like a history like, one? It was like a history one. You had to go back, <laughs> to go and, back meet, and meet, like, meet Da Vinci. Not to do the movie. <laughs> that game is like the worst game feel ever. Yeah. Have you played it? You know, No, wait, no, wait. I'm thinking of Mario's Missing, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I played that one too. It's very similar in that, that Super Nintendo era. Let's just throw Mario into every single type of is game. Ref. Is, is, <laughs> is Mario's Missing CDI? 
I think Mario's missing for NES, NES, not Super. Oh, is it NES? Okay. Thing. Are you sure? Because I think it looks. It the looks sprite pretty work good. looks better than that. Yeah, the sprites I think are kind of like referencing Super Mario World, but I don't know. I might be totally. I wrong. thought it was CDI that came out. What about Mario Teaches Typing? What was? What did that come out for? That was a PC only. Oh, that was PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Was there a keyboard peripheral for the Super Nintendo? No, but there was oh a mouse peripheral. Yeah. 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 Mario Paint. Really? Yeah, for Mario yeah, Paint. Yeah. Mario Paint. We, all, we can play it. I'll bring it next week. There's, yeah. there's a mouse peripheral uh, for the N64, too. That's wild. There's a keyboard peripheral for the GameCube. With the controller up. split apart. And Dude, the, the Dreamcast peripherals are where it's at. For, that was for yeah. Fantasy Star, right? Because didn't Fantasy yeah. Star come up for Dreamcast? I think so. And it also has like a browser. Do you remember? Did anyone have the Super Scope for Super Nintendo? It was like a bazooka, basically. It was like a light gun, but it was a bazooka. Was it uh, for? I don't even remember what I you used could it play for like Hunt, Metal Warzone. Warriors, I think. Yeah, it was think like it, this cool robot game where you shot. Yeah, robots. I speaking of robots, I still regret not having uh, the Steel Battalion controller, like sixty <laughs> yeah. some odd button controller. Yeah, no wait, it was Metal Combat. Metal Combat. So wait, was, I think I know Metal Combat. I didn't have the Super Scope. My friend had the Super Scope, and I knew they were going to say something like that. <laughs> wait, <laughs> so you guys know Metal Slug, right? Oh, oh yeah. my god, wait. Have we ever talked about how much I love Metal Slug? Really? I love Metal Slug. Alex just got really <laughs> excited. I get Metal Slug and Guilty Gear mixed up. No, Metal Slug is, is the, 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 is shoot, like Contra? the 2D shooter, kind of like Contra. Okay. It's like Contra, okay. Contra but with but like really, really awesome graphics. Yeah. Really awesome. Ah, but, and did you ever see that game? Um, it came out. It was like a Monster Hunter Metal Slug crossover. It was a Whoa. PC game. Whoa. Uh, but you got loot. Fuck, what's it called? Uh, well, I think Dr. Later. Mario anime cross <laughs> but, anime. So I forever said Try. so. Rocket launcher is rocket a, is a launcher. word, right? But I always said rocket launcher because like <laughs> that's what you in chair because in Mel's like rocket launcher and like I would always say it wrong and my friends in other school would make fun of me because they're like rocket launcher and I'm like launcher. <laughs> that's my anecdote. Um, so you can play anything else besides Dr. Mario. Uh, yeah, so Mario. we also played uh, Jones in the Fastlane, which was an old DOS game that Andrew's really into, and I beat him at that. Destroyed Good. him. Um, <laughs> For the record, <laughs> one, one, one. I'm saying that because he like destroyed me at other other games. That is going on the internet. For we played uh, Star Control Two, which he destroyed me at, and that's a really cool game. It has a bunch of different cool ships. Um, and then we also played Blades of Steel. For NES, it was like the Konami. That's the helicopter game, right? No, it's the Konami ice hockey game. Oh, and ah. I've that's a badass name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always wanted Steve. to like make a ice hockey Snake? game just because like the controls in it are su- like a Nintendo ice hockey game is basically like up left, down right are your directions. And then it's not. It's and it's not like it's not. Um, you don't control via velocity, so it's not like totally explicit you press right and you're going right you control with acceleration so it's kind of like it feels I like you're ice skating yeah yeah, yeah. Um, ah okay i can when see when the new that. nhl games it felt really fun too when you would have to kind of fight your momentum right which i think is always fun cuz you can't turn on dime yeah the exactly, last yeah. couple of years the skating in the nhl games has been really really tight and then yeah. one button is pass and one button is shoot for the goal just like yep. uh mario soccer yeah and also like the ice hockey game too mm-hmm. is like but yeah, it's just like a really cool control scheme, really cool game feel. It felt really good. We played a whole Please. match and we, we we tied, but then he got me on like the weird, I don't know, sports. So it's like when they shoot at the goals. Shoot out. 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I don't know either. What's the, the thing? What's the power play? What's the thing in the circle? What's that called? Football. Power play is when in, one person in ice hockey. is is when one team has a person in uh, penalty benched, box, yeah. and so uh, the other, the other team has one. Do you mean face off? Face off. That's right. Let me alone. It's my favorite move. Man, it's basketball. Man. Face off. Yeah, when when not Nicolas sorry, Cage, Cage and oh, John Travolta yeah. get in the ring. <laughs> That's what I, thought. I was like, what? Face off. You mean like one of the greatest films of the 20th century? Oh. Face off. Yeah, but then I've also been playing Bloodborne over at my other buddy's house. Nice. Crisis. I like Bloodborne a lot. It's I want to really play cool. at some point. I'm really into it. It's a little too spooky for me now. I don't normally like that because mm, I, like I guess what's that? What's that writer? Lovecraft. Lovecraftian. Mm. But there's the 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 art direction in that game is just so fully realized like it's just like yeah, right. it's just like you just feel kind of gross playing it well it's and, also uh, like lovecraft is so like new england you know yeah I mean? like you don't really separate lovecraft from new england and this is like i think i read the they kind of modeled bloodborne on like romania or something yeah, yeah. it definitely has like an eastern european feel from what i've seen yeah. and the i just love the enemy like the monster design in dark souls too i also think it's super rad yeah but i just love what they do with like how their silhouettes move towards you because it's also like a gameplay mechanic because like you can tell the way they're moving towards you like how you need to prioritize like who versus who and i always think that's really interesting nice i think also like transforming weapons are dope too i was really into dark souls like so way into like too much into you did you do a naked run i tried <laughs> we play naked i've tried yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i Wait, do that what it like, is, what is, it, is that like a knife through in resident evil what's a naked run it's where you're <laughs> No armor, like, right? Just punching. You're just, you're just naked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I've tried a level one run, and yeah, I so got to Smoke and Ornstein. Ornstein. I could never get past them in my normal run. Are you serious? And I just got so pissed off at the game. And I love that game. You need to do that, man. Third it's, room's coming out. Like, there's some cool stuff after that fight. Oh, and that, I mean, well, no, I think eventually I summoned a dude. Because I think oh, you yeah, can summon yeah. the Praise Sun guy. Yeah. To help you out in that fight. And then once you have another guy to kind of handle. But... What's that, uh, Lauren Ando, Lauren, Lauren Ando Fishburne, Lando. and uh, that, re- like that <laughs> reveal, shut up, is like one of my favorite things to ever happen in games because like you, oh, you yeah. think Dark Souls is like is like this big, and then it opens up on this like awesome, like super well lit, like sun baked, ah, oh, it's, it's really so great. fucking, and then the painting, ah, oh, man, Dark Souls rocks. Yeah. I play Dark Souls, and too. so I played Dark Souls too, and like I think they I got some of the mechanics a little tighter. But the cool stuff about Dark Souls 1 was all this like kind of weird stuff where you didn't know what was really going on. Like uh, the kind of stuff like when the bell rings, it means some other player online has defeated that level or whatever. Yeah. When a player uh, boosts one of the like checkpoints, you get an extra healing potion. And it's just like this weird stuff that you're not never really quite sure what's going on, but you kind of get a feel for it. And in Dark Souls 2, it was kind of like, people were just like, well, we want multiplayer to feel like this instead. And they were like, okay, let's do that. But also, it's the second lap. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like what was so cool about first Demon Souls and then Dark Souls, it was like, it's kind of like virgin territory. Like, we don't know. We don't know what's affecting what, which is why right. those games are really fun to get in on, like, the first week when they come out, which is yeah. kind of a bummer because they're a million dollars. But, like, <laughs> like I got in on Bloodborne when it came out just because it's, it's kind of fun to, to have that mystery there. Right. Because mm. you're like, I don't know what any of this means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think, like, so when we were talking earlier about, like, uh, beta testing and feedback and stuff, I think that from software, like, so it was a different 
team, I guess, working on Dark Souls 2. Yeah, I think the Bloodborne team did Dark Souls 1, yeah. if I understand yeah. correctly. And then they moved over to and Bloodborne. So, but I think that that team listened to all the feedback and took it really explicitly. Yeah. Whereas Bloodborne feels like they listened to the feedback and tried to really identify if there was a problem in the first place and if there was, what they could do differently. And so, like, Bloodborne has that same feel of, like, I have no idea what's going on, but, like, I'm way into it. And, like, these gameplay mechanics are, like, revealing themselves really naturally. Whereas in Dark Souls 2, it just felt like this is exactly what people wanted. So, like, of course there's going to be a big following to this game. Mm Mm-hmm. But it felt less like uh, kind of a mysterious world or whatever. And I think one thing they do is they make these big. What I I think my favorite thing about Dark Souls One is this. It's this big kind of mechanical dollhouse that you're kind mm-hmm. of unwinding as you go. So like you, you're getting these awesome. It just it felt like um you know the Super Mario World Overworld maybe or no. I'm thinking like like a game like or Zelda you know when you would go shit. I'm thinking like games that like that they they my seem, kingdom for a metaphor. <laughs> no, I know. I'm trying to think of like it's where it's where the exploration feels genuine, and I think it's really hard as a game yeah. designer because you, you, regardless, you can't make exploration real because the world you know the whole world. Mm-hmm. But Dark Souls always feels like you're discovering new ways around familiar territory. And I think it's a really important feeling for like discovery. It's kind of Metroidvania esque, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, Metroid. Thank you. Yeah, Shadow Complex. I've, I've, <laughs> yeah, oh, I love Shadow Complex. I have a good example. Uh, I have a good example of that exploration, like kind of. Opening. Not Firewatch. It's not Firewatch. It's not um, Firewatch. I started playing <laughs> I uh, Wind Waker HD for well Wii the ocean. And, That's yeah. another good one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Where you know, and and what's so cool about Wind Waker is that it's this this big ocean, so it feels vast, but they only have to make these little tiny set pieces. So I think as like a game dev, like I just felt yeah. Fable efficiency thing. The Fable games did a good job with that too. Fable I think so. two specifically. Fable two, yeah. Fable um, two just this really nice these distinct places that you're going to, but you still feel like you're exploring and you, you easily learn the territory and go back, but then you, you get new things and just, it feels like very lo- alive place to be. Well, and Dark Souls, like Fable has regions, you know, there's mm-hmm. Iron Londo and then there's the, what's the place with all the poison stuff? Uh, the, uh, I hate that place. The, that's like the worst place. And you're like constantly walking on like balance beams. <laughs> that's stupid. I'm, I'm imagining the map lighting up. It says the worst place. It pretty <laughs> much that. Welcome yeah. to the worst Neon place. Sign. But in Fable, there's like, there's the towns and then there's that like mm-hmm. fishing town and they all have different yeah. accents in the fishing town. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a really that's cool, cool touch. Those are, I mean? those are little things that I, I mean, you know, the types of games I like to play. Those are the little yeah. things that for me. Porn are, games. Porn games. Just mm. nothing but porn games. <laughs> Manhunt. That's right. Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> oh. Uh, the fish. <laughs> no, but Damn, yeah, what the those, fuck? Those, little, <laughs> um, those little touches in in games that that make the things feel alive, make the things feel real. It's like you know we've talked about how the of the Grand Theft Auto series, Grand Theft Auto Four did. There were a lot of things that didn't really do it for me. It felt like but New York. It felt like New York, and yeah, I lived in Manhattan yeah, when that York. game came out, and I went to buy it the day it came out, and just couldn't get over how much it felt like mm-hmm. you are driving around Brooklyn right now you are driving around Queens right now you are driving around Manhattan and it the just driving is yeah. okay at best but uh, driving is okay at best but I disagree uh, but that's cars don't <laughs> bounce like that in real life I like I, they all have hydraulics suspend yeah. that disbelief <laughs> um, but but that that you know when you can create that world that feels lived in like that, that each place within the game mm-hmm. has those distinct elements, I think that adds a lot to a game. And Fable 2 did that in spades, I think. Yeah. Sure. I think also, like, Dark Souls has a lot of... It's like an action RPG. Like, it has RPG leveling mechanics mm-hmm. and stuff like that. 
But I think it also works as an RPG. Like, you can actually role-play in the game, even though it's not really set up for that, you know? Like, there isn't a lot of... Uh, like, all the lore is basically hidden behind a veil. And item descriptions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, basically, like... Um, I think Western developers especially kind of tend to look at an RPG and say, like, we're going to craft this massive story, and a lot of times it'll take place in an open world, and it has all these RPG mechanics. And it's going to have a codex. I think you right. say that a lot of times in Western games, where it's like, this is our vocabulary we're working in. <laughs> right. Mm. And, like, with Dark Souls, I think the reason it works so well as an RPG is because uh, it, it, it's... Like, an open-world game is all about the possibility space, right? right? Like, what you can do with it, what systems interact with each other. And the possibility space in Dark Souls is very limited, but what's really interesting about it is it's very um, consistent. Mm. Like, you can kill any character, right? Like, there's no characters that you can kill, that you can't kill. You hear that, Alex? <laughs> and when you do kill a character it'll affect the game like it'll like if this character is part of a plot it's not like okay well you harmed him he's gonna he's, he's gonna, gonna, gonna get, get back, back up, up though. so that you can fallout. finish his thing i was just thinking fallout is yeah, exactly right and that's yeah. why skyrim i think like too. fallout and skyrim and those games like they're focused on being these rpgs but they've taken and especially fallout 4 like i think it yeah. looks really great like i think honestly it looks so much better than fallout 3 I think it looks much better than Skyrim too. I yeah, really, I really like that. And like they they have like a really interesting like color palette that they seem to be using. Like a lot of red. It's not just like yeah, Fallout Three was like gray and some green. Yeah. Where this is like some buildings are just like this really vibrant. Color. So yeah, I really love the way it looks. Um, I think like the real time slowdown vats is better than stop time vats. I think there's a lot about Fallout Four that's just a lot better. I just think that right. it misses on that. But yeah. Because well, with old Bethesda games, they you used to be able to kill essential characters, and you just would fail quests. But right. in Morrowind, I mean, um, there were still some characters that you couldn't kill. Kill, I don't think. I don't. Re- I had Morrowind, and I don't remember. Morrowind's kind of like the one that everyone harkens back to. Is like yeah. you could do anything. But like in Vigance three, even when you talk to people, you would have four choices, five choices, six, eight. And choices. New Vegas kind of expand on that even more, right? And then in Fallout Four, you get these four, and also they're like you're not even really going through like you don't know what you're gonna say it's just gonna be like well yeah i'll say sarcastic like right. you don't There's just like somebody one the nice one not the mean just like one. oh are you are you coming into my place to take my shit and you just you go sarcastic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like that's a bad role-playing mechanic because now you're not role-playing as much you're like you're kind of weaving Guided your way story through a story yeah. right yeah and i think you were getting um and I think that where Fallout 4 fell short for me, because I like I like the shooting, I like I like the way it, it felt good, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think what I like about Dark Souls and you're gonna is that I think the the exploration element it's it's so based on you know you go to a place you discover it. There's like Dark Souls is so based on like action and consequence. Mm-hmm. So like the combat is just every action is a consequence. Every you know every new skill like the RPG levering system. I think that the point about it being consistent is so good. Whereas Fallout. It makes this world where you feel like I can do anything, right. and then you go into a conversation, and I can say I have one option to get through this, or I have two options to get through this. Right, and it's always you just always go with the obvious option. Like right. you're not really like in Dark Souls, it, right? you can be like I'm going to be an evil ninja, and then you play the game as an evil ninja. In Fallout, you can be like I want to be an evil dude or whatever, and it's like kinda. Kind of <laughs> well, and I think the, the 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 game that Bethesda made is a much harder game to do that in. Dark right, Souls yeah. gives you so much. 
your only way of interacting with world is like you can move and you can kill right you know mm-hmm. what i mean exactly. so with that because it's so much more confined you can role play in that space whereas fallout gives you this like you can do whatever the fuck you want but you know and i think in doing that you can't really do much i think that's why mass yeah. effect 2 hits so well because it's like you can do this and we're gonna hurdle the story forward and we've written mm-hmm. a cool story around it and i think if fallout had done it does a nice job at that in general maybe mm-hmm. a, like more titan vignettes or i don't know how they i don't or they, they open it back up you yeah know, i don't know i don't know how they they fix it but i think that that misstep is pretty consistent with a lot of the feedback well i think also like in modern games story is so important like people yes. don't like to play yeah. games if it doesn't have a story generally but like you look at games like minecraft and that's so successful because it has an open possibility space all of the mechanics in the game are really consistent like a block is a block is a block and then you just need to know what kind of block it is to interact with it. Um, and, and you can build stories out from that, though. Right, yeah, that's exactly. What's yeah, yeah. About it. You know, I think that that's probably where, where Dylan and I, I mean, I think we like, I like games like that or, or where the what you do in the game kind of builds out the narrative around it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most interesting thing that games bring to the table. But I also think that, you know, like we all played, uh, have you played Firewatch at all? No. So we all played Firewatch a few weeks ago. And that game was like a really well done story and a more limited game. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's opportunities to kind of have uh, your cake and eat it too, where you make the game right. that mm-hmm. makes you feel like you're in complete control while also having like a writer's touch on it. Right. Because there's no reason why, like, you know, how a Minecraft world is procedurally generated, why you can't just have procedurally generated stories. Like Mason has talked about this before, where you kind of have like nodes, character nodes, or character. This is a character's personality. Right. This is what we, he can say. I'm going to write all these like different scripts that can be attached to that character or could be attached to any character with that similar personality. And then you just kind of let them go. The same thing about, like how Dwarf Fortress kind of like right. takes 20 minutes to generate the world because yeah. it's building all this history and then it's doing all the geographic stuff and then it's like, running rivers through the geography and then it's taking thousands of years to like see how the plate tectonics work and crap like that. Um, you could do that just as easily with like character nodes and just kind of well the original the original legend of zelda i think is a great example of that where they just plop you in the middle of somewhere with no backstory no anything really yeah but the guy's still going to be in the cave of the sword and he's still going to say it's dangerous to go alone take this right but but that's that's it right and that's i mean the whole one of the beautiful things about the original legend of zelda is it really is about you developing the mechanics in your way throughout your playthrough that this story feels very personal because you're so you're somewhat distanced from it, but it it kind of evolves in its own natural way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm saying is that what would make the stories more interesting and more personal is that if they themselves were randomly generated, and then you have these actors kind of interfacing with you because the whole reason, like you talk about story, like the whole reason I think it's it's for characters, it's character interaction. Mm-hmm. People watch stories because they see they want to see characters and they want to empathize with these characters or one way or hate, you know yeah I mean. and so when you know you have to have a writing staff that has to take all this time and all these man hours to create a custom-made story like sometimes it can fall flat because maybe it's not right. intersecting with the gameplay as well well what if you just had them kind of procedurally generating themselves as you go along right. um have you seen any of like the little bits of story stuff they released for no man's sky i've heard about it like, like the, the the robot vendors and stuff like that, and yeah. all these custom made languages. They've been, they've been very cagey about anything other than the the mechanics themselves. But like what little I've seen of the story, I think they're taking that approach. Well, and it makes sense because no, I mean, Hello Games is ten people, and only and I, actually I think they're up to like twenty five or something now. But only not. But how many computer generated 
developers do they have too? <laughs> they can make planets. <laughs> and they can make everything. They can but, make. But and, but not even their whole staff is working on No Man's Sky. Like half of them are. Yeah. Like so. Like Joe Danger four. <laughs> Three. There's just a race of Joe Dangers. <laughs> They're all just doing motorcycle tricks. That would tricks. be so cool, though, if you got to a planet. There's just a bunch of little guys driving motorcycles around. <laughs> that's the thing. It's, it's like that's that's so much more efficient, especially for a smaller team. And it's like, right. and all it is is just thinking through. Like it's not an impossible feat. Like I've read research papers talking about procedurally generated computer RPGs. Right. It's like it's possible. Well, and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the people have made scripts that build games in that RPG maker thing, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of like make assumptions and stuff, and, and try to build a whole game out. And they're 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 mediocre, but that's just the first step to like having them work hand in hand to make bigger scale games with smaller teams. Right. That was one of I think just because we were talking about Fable earlier, that was where the original Fable, I think, you know, it had its shortcomings for sure, and it and but it was generally well-loved, and I think one of the things that people really loved about it is it was one of the first games to do any sort of that procedural generation through your playthrough, and and having different things in the world to react to how you've been playing the game. Talking about the player choice kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and just, yeah, and, 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 you know, you would have, I mean, if you, you can play the Fallout games, any of them, um, but, but, uh, Fable games, any of them, uh, but Fable 1 was the first to do it, where, you know, you are somewhere on this spectrum and completely dependent upon where you're at in that spectrum, people react very differently to you. Coke or Pepsi. If I pick Coke, I'm going to get Halo. If I pick Pepsi, I'm going to get Devil's Horns, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, I'm I'm more, it's more the, (laughs) yeah, the the way people, I I mean, if you, because I always played those games with the first playthrough in a very good way and you get to a point where, you know, you go into different towns and people are clapping for you, or you know, your notoriety <laughs> is so right. Exactly. Yeah, I'll do that. They clap above their head. Um, yeah, they clap above their head, or they do that. Um, but I think when you know when that first fable came out, that was something you did not have. You just didn't have that. That's true. There was nothing like that, and so I think there's room to grow on things like that. Um, but it really ushered in a new era because I mean, think what video games were before that. Narrative Long was just Tetris. There, <laughs> Tetris and Fable. Well, there was there was, there was a lot of space <laughs> in between. Uh, oh, man. Know. Was it was like the guy working on Tetris and his coworker comes in. He was like, "Yeah, check this shit out." <laughs> He's just fucking like, "Oh my god." <laughs> um, no, I, I I get. I think that I think that it's kind of human nature that you want to know that it's kind of like the beat poets like existed because like. They want to, like, I, I exist. Like, I want to know that, I want to have that action reaction thing. Like, I want to know that I have influence and I have agency on the world around me. Yeah. Because I think it's kind of like, I don't know, this is going to sound like existential, but like, like, as human beings, like, it's kind of, you're constantly, like, battling, like, does what I do matter? Mm-hmm. And in games, you create these tiny little worlds where only what you do matters. Right. And I think that the more and more that you can, like, lean into that, the more and more people like the games, which is why Harvest Moon rocks. Because I made a farm. That's why awesome. his rocks. You just light them all on fire, and then I am your god. <laughs> so well, we, we. Oh, go ahead. The dude that made the Bioshock games, I think. Ken Levine? Yeah, yeah. He did a thing at GDC. I saw that about the ago. narrative Lego blocks. Right. And, and that's. That was interesting, but I kind of called. Like, I wanted to call bullshit on him because I'm like. The world, the world that you're working in, this isn't like that's a brilliant idea and it works really well for a, a, other worlds. But the world you're working in is one in which you can't make games without voice acting. You can't right. make games without like right, right, facial animations, and like that's gonna be the big hurdle to get over for that. Like people are already making games with narrative building blocks. Like 
that's not a difficult Shadow of Mordor, I think, is a mm-hmm. good example of yeah. right. a world that reacts and kind of you, you push and pull with it. But really, I mean, like, Dwarf Fortress destroys that concept. Like, oh, they, and that's like the, that's the, the, what's the concept of like, you, um, ah, fuck. Like, the, the, the grenade rolls down the hill. Em, em, emergent? Emergent. Yeah. So yeah. Like, emergent gameplay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, emergent storylines and stuff. Right. right. Because like, you have these bloodlines of the dwarves and everything, and you're building your your castle or whatever. I've never played Dwarf Fortress, so <laughs> I've played long enough to figure out how to gather wood. Oh, okay. And so that was like 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this game sounds fun. Straight, straight. <laughs> yeah. straight. Yeah. Is there any way in that game that you can physically build a fortress of dwarves? <laughs> like, <laughs> just make them stand all this, on top of each not, other. That's not a murder. No, game. you so lost on Dwarf their Fortress, side and then you place them. <laughs> So that's stony fortress. But yeah, yeah, like it, it's the kind of thing where it's just like, well, okay, so I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty bad programmer, right? But even I can think of ways to do this kind of thing if we say like, okay, well, let's get rid of animations and let's replace let's have no uh voice acting. Mm-hmm. And let's also just replace like dialogue with like 16 emoticons. And right. now I can kind of make something with like a weird procedural narrative or something. Well, yeah. I think that even that, even just seeing that happen, I think that's why people are drawn to a game like Animal Crossing or The Sims. Because I mean, the right. relations are artificial, yeah. but they're all through yeah. these. I mean, I guess Animal Crossing has text, but like The Sims, even though it's just this like weird language, it feels like you're building relationships that are genuine. Yeah, Simlish. Right. Ooh, yeah, Sim- it's it's Simlish. Whatever. Simoleons. Take the ladder off the pool. <laughs> Gun. Rosebud. I am your god. Did you play Rosebud. the third one when they had ghosts that would um they would come back in the way that they were were killed? So you'd have what? Like, yeah. You, yeah, you would have like a fire ghost or a drowned ghost. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, if you're like sim roommate like flood the themselves house? on fire, yeah. they would uh-huh. come back. And then there was a, like a third just general one. That's terrifying. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Wait, that's kind of boring. It's just like I'm a ghost. Yeah, and like his bros, like the fire ghost over there. <laughs> you're still lame, even when you're a ghost. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about for a while. Um, I think with the procedurally generated uh, personality thing, there's opportunities in. I think Mass Effect has this cool thing where you're, you're, you have a squad mm. that you roll with, and I think a lot of people like bio games where they have this ambient stuff that happens. So I think there's opportunities in games like FTL or like. Where you have these experiences where you're building teams up or having that just extra step where you feel like, you know, my rock dude that holds down the engine room. Right. He's also like super, super kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And the, we, so, that when he, so that when he dies, it's like, damn it. Yeah. And I, I think liked him. I Mason like number FTL 27 does a better job than Mass Effect. Even. Well, I've only played Mass Effect 2. Um, that's the best. But, that's the best one. Example, like, yeah. Throughout the game, I was like in love with the game, and then at the end, when it was like, oh, all this shit that I thought didn't matter matters for this fifteen minutes. Yeah, like that felt really shitty. But otherwise, like I love the game. What do you think of the the Terminator that you fought at the end? I was into <laughs> the it. Big giant, really? Giant, like, robot, like, Twenty story, yeah. Uh, it felt like it felt like a proper video game boss. Like, it did. I will say that people, video, they're making video games now where the boss is just like yeah. the Eastern European dude that shows up throughout every the game. Robot every like boss is called the drugs. Yeah. It should have opened its mouth and like Polygon should have like flown out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll never defeat me. Yeah, Jump the shark a bit, but it was still like, the original Metal like, Gear Solid came out. That for me is yeah. still the definition fighting of Metal when, Gear. When bosses like just the bosses oh, yeah. in the original Metal Gear Solid were fantastic. It's yeah. a walking nuclear tank. Yeah, yeah. It well, makes sense. Psycho Mantis. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, you, could yeah. plug in, you could plug in the controller into port two and actually like 
all that shit. I mean, that was just and that's what that's one of the reasons I feel like five was kind of like this is a brilliant game. There's so many brilliant things happening in this game, but where's my just, crazy? Where's process? my Metal yeah. Gear? I agree. And did, I did well, they not have like a psychomantis character in that? I feel like they always it, they've always it, had a crazy. Uh, weird psychological. Yeah, it's Cy, what's her name? It's the player. What's her quiet? Whisper. Well, Whisper. With, uh, with like, the Metal Gear quiet. games, like they've kind of like yeah. every time a new one comes out, he feels like the need to try and explain it further. And so in five, but that's why the narrative got so weird. Yeah, <laughs> it was like Metal Gear Solid One's like, all right, and then in two you have like, oh, she's also magical and there's a vampire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Also, nano machines. Yeah. Also, ghosts in the White House. I did like MGS Five a lot. It was a great. lot, a lot. Um, so about, yeah, about the procedural, like the voice acting thing, like how that's mm. a big hurdle. I feel like the thing that needs to be done for that nugget specifically, voice because fonts, oh. exactly. <laughs> oh, really? Like, I think oh. voice fonts need to get a lot better. Huh. Like you know, they will, and, and they obviously will. But like Siri, you know, still kind of. Is, I mean, I feel like six, the, nine, 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 nine. <laughs> boots and cats, and cats, and boots and cats, and boots and cats. Uh, I could do this all day. Cats and boots and cats. And and I think the Google one, the Google now, is much much better. I um, oh, and, and Alexa's and Alexa's good Quick. and so like I think in the future with like games you're just gonna have a voice actor come in like alright give me your voice font and then you uh, know, can you do it again Dylan we need, like, we, need, we need more uh ooh <laughs> ah ooh and then Dylan sidelights as the lead singer from Disturbed <laughs> <laughs> but uh because like the one thing I think the crowning achievement they need is that you need to be able the player needs to be able to put in their own name for right. the character, and then they need to <laughs> yeah. all the all the NPCs need to be able to call them by that name. So, so Fallout Four did that sometimes, no. yeah, but they, those were preset, and that was only for one character. Was it? Okay, it was only for Codsworth. Codsworth. Because I was, I was, I will say, the first mm-hmm. time that Codsworth called me Dan, I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> I was not expecting that. See, I always did <laughs> yeah, my character the first video. Yeah, it never shows up anywhere. So yeah. D O D or Waffle. Yeah, but like I feel like that. <laughs> just give me that. Just give me. Just call me my name. And then we'll worry about the rest of the shit. What is right. my name? My name. <laughs> Where are they? I think the thing is, is like, we're, we're, they're so focused on making uh, games that are as close to reality as possible that like yeah. everybody's too afraid to be the the voice font that sounds like a robot, you know? Right. But like, that's what we need. Is right. like, um, that Nintendo game for 3ds. Where they would Tell read the title. Tom- oh, Tom- Tom- Tamagotchi Life. They did it a little bit, and I thought that was really cool. All hail the virtual boy. And they'll dance around the virtual boy. <laughs> um, um, but I think you look at something like Undertale, which was incredibly successful last year and lauded by a lot of people. And, and you know, we are in this age of, hey, we're trying to make games that are real and have voice acting and have da 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 Well, here's one that is a throwback in terms of graphics, in terms of dialogue choice, in terms of all of that. But it still subverted that with procedural elements in a way that made it a really enjoyable game i think it's also just got a really good writing touch on it yeah Yeah, alex how do you feel about uh, we've we've beaten this (laughs) horse today this horse is dead we made glue out of it that's how dead it is but i think (laughs) will hates horses it's a good example (laughs) it's a good relevant example of our our current conversation um how that's applicable well i mean i think undertale's more like a, a, a really well done um a really well crafted I guess it is procedural. Yeah, because think about like when it, you get to Undyne, she treats you completely differently based upon. But to me, your that's more like what Will had a problem with with Mass Effect Two, where it's like, yeah, that's just these the diamond motifs. Sure, matter. But yeah. the, I want the game that's like, hey, you were a dick a minute ago. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I want that game. 
So I'm going to play Dr. Mario. <laughs> Alex, have you been playing anything? Um, kind of not really anything different, but when Dan and I were in New York, we um, somehow came across Barcade, which has another location in Manhattan now. And um, we played a bunch of uh, retro arcade cabinets for every solid do two they hours. Have, do they have Killer Queen there? Mm, I don't know what no. Killer Queen is. Uh, Killer Queen's is four player. Um, I don't even know what the game looks like. I just know it's like a a competitive like. Wait, no, it's more than that, isn't it? Like four on four. Like, yeah. isn't there a bunch of controls yeah. on that oh. thing? It's that a sounds, huge thing. That sounds cool. No, we played Primal Rage. We Simpsons. played Killer Instinct. Simpsons. We played Simpsons. Well, Simpsons was the first one. We played Terminator. Played Terminator Two. Judgment Day. Uh, there were a bunch of really good caps there. Oh, there I played the Terminator pinball table. No, I think the Terminator game isn't that a light gun shooter. Yeah. I played. Yeah. I played Dig Dug for the first time. Yeah. What? I, was playing I Dig love Dug. Dig Dug. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I was totally into it. it I played this. Oh, I played this old Neo Geo game, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it was the most just terrible feeling game I think I may have ever played. Like Ooh. you would you would press the joystick and it would wait and then start moving like three seconds yeah. later after <laughs> something had already hit you. Uh, what kind of game was we, it? It was it was a side scrolling shooter. Okay. Um it was it was not good. We were, I, and that's why I didn't remember remember the name. We were tempted to play the uh, Batman Forever game. Yo, the Batman Forever game it looks pretty good. Atrocious. I, I guess it's a side scroller beat em yeah. up. Yeah. I remember that game. There was an awful Arthur's where I lived that had like they would cycle in arcade cabinets all the time for some reason. So like that's how I like played Tekken mm-hmm. and like all these like the Simpsons yeah. game. Yep. I have no idea why they had so many arcade I think cabinets. I played the Simpsons game at like Fud Records or something. Simpsons game there was a movie theater that in the town yeah. North of mine that we'd always go to, and we'd intentionally go half an hour early to just play the Simpsons game. There no, was a, the uh, X Men one. The X Men. Yeah, the X Men yeah, one. At the local video store, and I used to beg my mom just to go to the video store um, sure, to play X Men. Yeah, she hated it. No solicitors. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Tech Exchange, Don Carey. Uh, Carey and. They have the X Men machine, I thought. They have the really? Simpsons one. Oh, I know. Really? They might have an X Men one, too. No, I think it's the base Simpsons. That place is pretty cool. Um, you can get X Men on Xbox Arcade now, um, like a couple years ago, and. It's only like a two-hour playthrough if you um, don't actually use quarters. It was like Golden Axe that yeah. we played at my house, Ugh. which I used to play all the time. <laughs> Golden Axe is great. Everybody loves Golden Axe. The remake's still coming out. The kids, they love the Golden Axe. Golden, <laughs> the kids these days, they don't understand. They don't have respect for the Golden Axe. Is that, how, is that what the barcade owner sounded like? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm from New York, so, you know. I mean, yeah. Just... Hey. So sometimes I like to go to arcades and, like, stand there and just, like, really try and soak in what they're doing mm. and like so okay i'll, I'll share, like I'll share two, two insights of arcades that i've come up with so golden axe one of the coolest things visually that they do is with the titles and stuff um there's there's always like flashing involved in arcade games yeah, like right, that's like especially, the whole especially sega arcade yeah. games <laughs> and but one of the things i really loved about golden axe is that it flashes white the text will flash white and then it will flash red, and then it will flash black. Mm. And like the effect of that, instead of just flashing white, black, or random colors or something, white, red to black kind of feels like a, a light bulb going on and then turning off. So you get like the one frame of red that yeah. like, is a good intermediary thing. And I've noticed, uh, I, I've noticed that a lot of games, especially um, recent, most recently in read-only memories, they do it in their title screen, I think. Neat. And um, and then also in the Simpsons arcade, I was confused because I was watching it and I was like, "This is really weird." Because like, okay, it, it's Konami, right? I believe it's Konami. Is it not Midway? No, it's Midway. Yeah, you're okay. right. I think it's Midway. But so so yeah, like, I go. but it's basically like this is a very Japanese feeling game, 
And I was sitting there and I was like, okay, so all the main characters feel very like punchy and like Japanese fightery. Mm-hmm. But all of the like all the bad guys, all the like mooks and stuff look cartoony. Yeah. And I was like tr- trying to figure out I was like, why why is this why did they do it this way? And I realized it's because when you're when you're making a game like that, the enemies have to telegraph their moves, right? Yeah. yeah. And so normally you might have like in, in especially like Japanese style games, like the telegraph will be kind of punchy too, like they'll like wind up and then like kind of like maybe like shake for a few frames and mm-hmm. then do the really fast swing. But in this, they're like cartoony, like so the wind up is this long cartoony thing that feels very Simpsonsy. Meanwhile, the player, you want the action to happen immediately, and so yeah. that's where like the punchiness came in. Because there's that, ha- there has to be that haptic response that corresponds exactly, immediately. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. There's so a, yeah, it's fun to just like watch arcades. There's a really good. Have you ever seen? <laughs> have you ever seen the uh, devs play videos that uh, Double Fine puts out? No, nah. they're really good. And, and what they try to do is they play a game, and they try to get one of the creators on. So they had um, SLA for Assassin's Creed Two, I think. Patrice. Yeah. Um, and they had one of the people that worked on the Lion King game for Genesis and Super Nintendo come in. Oh, yeah. That game <laughs> and, was the shit. And he was talking about, well, they were talking about the Lion King, and they were also talking about Aladdin, because they made both of those games. Also yeah, a good game. The Sega one was better than the Super Nintendo one, though. Okay. That was back in the day when it wasn't like the Sega and the Super Nintendo game would be completely different games. Because right. of the sprite? Because yeah. of the Oh, not even just the sprites. I mean, they would be sometimes completely different I think developers. Uh, like and completely Capcom different. made the Genesis one yeah. and some other developer. And, maybe Disney itself. Yeah, and so sometimes you would have games that were way better on one console than another. It's not like today where it's just the exact same game across People the People are board. worried about like whether the grass is rendering the same <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so what they were talking about in this thing is that they were having this huge fight with the animators um from disney because they were working with them because when they would hit if if simba was facing one direction you need to turn around there was no animation for him to turn around he just flip over right and the animators hated that it's like that's not smooth that's 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 against everything that a traditional <laughs> animator wants it's like yeah. no like otherwise it's gonna feel like shit because it's gonna take him like yeah. several frames to turn around and then get him walking the other way no we're just gonna flip him and there's some walk. games that do that, and it yep. does just, like, ruin it, a game. It, it feels like the slowest thing in the world. It takes forever. Yeah, but I like the way that comes with... I think that the old Prince of Persia games, he would turn. Well, he would that skid. They, I love yeah, those they, games. they would make it... I think having the animation there that, that shows the character turning that doesn't take away from the feel adds to it, though. And, like I mean, Mario had that Super Mario Brothers where you'd skid when you would yeah, stop him mm-hmm. after him running. I think when 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 you're standing still and it, you have to do it, it feels like bullshit. But that's true. When you're when you are like in motion and you turn and like that feels. Really Don't tell cool. it to Rockstar because he turned the stick the other way. Oh, you guys walk all the way around. <laughs> he's he's God on ice skates. You're in a hallway in a Rockstar game, or you're just kind of like I'm just gonna run against the wall. <laughs> it's back to Blades of Steel. It's just, it's just gotta do yeah. a big big Yui. No 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> he skids out. Do <laughs> you play anything else, Alex? Um, no, still chipping away at um, the Borderlands episodes, and uh, yeah, that's it right now, actually. Cool. Dylan, you, you play anything? Playing Wind Waker. Nice. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. And, and so I've only played two Zelda games before this. I played Twilight Princess, which is probably my favorite one. It was the first one I ever played. Twilight that, Princess HD is out now. I, yeah. Ooh. Um, and then I played um, Link Between Worlds. Yeah, that one's really Is that the, the 3DS one? That's you like the Twilight Princess more than Link Between Worlds? Yeah, huh. um, because I, I just like the world they crafted. But I really like Wind Waker for the I don't know the several hours I've played it. I just met King of Red Lions and I got him his sail, your boat. And he's just like 
God, it took me forever to I, get him a sale the first time. That fucking really island is just like, okay, really what, do I do? what do I do? What do I do? And what's great about the islands is that they're almost little like puzzle boxes because you have to find out because there's so many different things to do on the island. And even though they look small, there's so many like different like hidden nooks and crannies to well, find out. Zelda games have just always done that so well. Yeah. Well, Wind Waker gave you a lot more as a character. You could crawl, you could uh, slide. I guess that was another one, but. Yeah, you I feel sidle like up to the wall. And Link and Wind Waker just is a lot more mobile than yeah. like maybe Twilight Princess because you get like the parachute, yeah, leaf and like and and he's much more he has much more expression because obviously it's the cartoony face. That game was just it's just gorgeous, but it's just so cool. Comparing that from what I remember from Twilight Princess, there's less the the animations aren't as clean going in from one to another. So like the characters will say something and. Then there'll be and there'll be like a one two second delay and then he'll make an expression or something like that. So like I feel like Twilight Princess they hit a better stride with like the muted characters making expressions and I really think they like all right don't give Link a voice but give everyone else a voice like because I can't like uh, Link has a voice. <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> but um, it's 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 kind of frustrating because like you know the music's good and like and but like the cues like also the cues for the music. Like, I remember the cues for the music, like, if there was, like, a some joke that a character would make, you know, and there's, like, a drum or a rim shot or something, it they hit better in Twilight Princess and even Skyward Sword mm. than in this. I never played Skyward yeah, Sword. I was going to ask. I haven't played Skyward Sword either. Skyward yeah. Sword, like, the beginning, like, the setup is funny because, like, he's, he's it's basically, like, high school, and he's got, like, there's, like, a high school gang, like, the Tunnel <laughs> Snakes equivalent that, like, make fun, of, rule. They make fun of Link. <laughs> And it's funny, but like their leader is like this actual dork, and he's like incompetent and shit, and 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 they do really well with that. But I haven't it, played a Zelda game since Ocarina. Really? And my favorite Zelda game is you say Zelda Link's two. Adventure. Come at me, <laughs> Link's Adventure. Oh, Zelda Two is yeah. amazing. Zelda Two so is amazing. Thank you. Zelda? Thank- All right, the other three of you can just leave this room. We've had this conversation on this podcast before about how great Zelda 2 is. Zelda 2 is the Dark Souls of Zelda games. The only reason people don't like that game is because it's hard and they can't beat it. And that's the only reason people don't like it. Not true. It's so good. Some of the best music in the series comes from that game. Yep. A lot of the lore comes from that game. Yep. A lot of the, uh, like, towns. Yep. All the, all the gods in Ocarina are named after the towns from Zelda 2 fascinating also what's really great is the like fighting those uh what are they like the the style knuckle knuckle dude. Oh, the, the, knuckles. Oh. the the iron knuckle iron yeah, knuckles. yeah yeah, yeah. Does? oh like in that it's <laughs> like it's like it, that is super dark souls like yeah you have to get this very specific timing where you have to jump and thrust at this at the right time before you... well, yeah so that's basically like the jumping attack in dark souls right. where it's like super op and stuff yep. but like if you come at them just like you don't know what you're doing you're just like spamming and dying and like they're just like whatever whatever yep. fuck you but like <laughs> when you play it and like you realize like that they just have guard up and guard down yep you have the exact same thing yep and then they either attack down or attack up then it's just like oh now it's on like yeah and it feels so it sounds weird. like nidhogg it's yeah, turning it's, into it's nidhogg. Like yeah it's it's not as it's not as like feature complete right sword fighting as nidhogg but have you played nidhogg game no Oh god, have you played Nidhogg? No, I know what it is though. Oh fuck. I've never played Nidhogg. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you made really? you yeah. made a Nidhogg clone, you've never played Nidhogg. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's funny. Nidhogg's rad. 
Uh, Nidhogg's does stuff with backgrounds, like at the very last boss. When you, oh, so trippy. It's so awesome. And yeah. they all do, and when you get into the final it's screen. It's like a gradient thing that's just strobing way faster. Mm. And when you get into the final screen, there's there's a, um, just, there are a bunch of bleachers with people sitting in the bleachers, yeah. and they all do a wave when you walk by them, and it's so stupid. And then you jump off the ledge, and the dragon comes out and eats you. That game feels great, though. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so fast, and it's so immediate. Right. And, like, we would play, I would, I mean, we would have people over in the jam, they don't usually play games, and they get right into it, because it's just. Up, down, middle. Jump, kick, dive, kick. You can throw your sword. Yeah. You can pull their spine out of the throwing, sword. Throwing the swords is the best part because, like, oh, and you can put, turn on boomerang swords so you can throw it. And then, like, if they could they just run and then jump over it. The best part is if, if they're running one way, you can just turn around, face the opposite direction, throw your sword, and then jump over it as it boomerangs back, and then it just chases them. <laughs> <laughs> so if they fuck up at all, if they trip or anything, they're just dead. That's pretty awesome. So Zelda 2, I do, like, I did... I think it's cool that the combat was like a little more tactical. Yeah. But I also think that Wind Waker has uh, enemies because it, like, you pick up weapons that enemies have too. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to there yet, Don? Yes. Uh, I did the uh, Forbidden Fortress already where like you meet you sneak around. You meet Ganon really early in that game. Yeah, man. Because yeah. like you get to the Hidden Fortress, you there's stealth mechanics in this game because you yeah. p- pick up uh, barrels and you put them on and then you have to stealth your way around the, the thing because you lost your sword. Like there's a lot of stuff in there it start for it's like if you've played let's say you'd played every zelda game up until wind waker and then you get to wind waker and it just kind of what the hell's going on i've lost my sword they're pirates it's uh-huh. like it's just totally starts out really bizarrely the boat's talking um, to me the boat's talking to me <laughs> hi i'm peyote um but it goes. the second the second you get the sail and just set out on the sea it's just like yeah this is amazing just like the way the music swells and everything Have you got into just, the main like city where there's a guy that does a, a pirate shooting game, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, the shooting gallery. I didn't. I didn't uh, play it. He's uh, my favorite character. He's got the shooting gallery is, uh, it's at Windfall Island. Yeah, it's at Windfall Island. That's yeah. the first island you go to after you do the Forbidden Fortress. I didn't play That's the, the mini one where game. you find the sale because he wanted money. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not paying you for this yeah, mini game. But and, he's so cool. But uh, I'm such an asshole. I went into the rich guy's house. I started yeah, smashing, he his smashing pots. and then he charges you for it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> because he's, I smashed the first one. He's like, hey, if you smash any more, I'm gonna charge you. I was like, well, fuck, I need to see <laughs> yep. how this goes. And I like, broke three more. And there were only eight vases. And then he didn't do anything. I was like, oh, it's got free. Awesome. And then I go to open the door. He's like, wait a second. Yep. Pay up. And then somehow he drains the money from your body. I don't know. But then you have to find his daughter. <laughs> yeah. So his daughter's one of the ones that's kidnapped. Yeah. The whole conceit for that thing is really cool. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. What is the difference between Ganon and Ganondorf? Ganon is like... Think of it as a darker, evolved version of Ganondorf. Ganon? Is Ganon the pig? Ganon is the pig. Ganon's the pig. Yeah. Yeah. Ganondorf is like the ultimate evil. But, in yeah, the yeah. So, so the, the Triforce. The but why do they? But why do they always call him Ganon? Like they called when I met him, he they called him Ganon. So well, you met okay. him as the. There are actually three timelines of the Legend of Zelda that run concurrently with one another. Resident Zelda You asked. Mason just passed um, out. And so and there, so, there is the original Legend of Zelda, um, which happens after Ocarina. Well, right? Which happens after You're Ocarina. Gonna, you might end up, there's cool things that happen in Wind Waker, narratively, that are that, that touch on these timelines, though. Well, I'm yeah. just curious of the and I'm familiar, so, and I'm so familiar the, with the, the best, Hyrule. The best books. explanation, oh, okay, okay. the best explanation, is actually found in Link to the Past. Um, basically, the idea is that the Triforce was held. Uh, together, and it was kind of in this mystical realm. And the first, what it would do is it would turn everyone into 
uh, a reflection of the first person that touches it. So in, in Link to the Past, uh, Ganondorf finds and retrieves the Triforce, and the Triforce splits off into he, Triforce of Wisdom, which is goes to Zelda, courage. Triforce of Courage, which is Link, and the Triforce of Power, which is Ganon, uh, or Ganondorf. And when Ganondorf touches it, he becomes the reflection of his true inner self, which is Ganon. So, so Ganon is not technically always the pig. Ganon is just Ganondorf wielding the Triforce. Is that the distinction? Ganon. So in is the original a rectangle, but a rectangle is not always a Ganon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ganon in the original Legend of Zelda, which obviously didn't have a fleshed out story, didn't have all of this. He was lore. Ganon back then. He was because, just Ganon, and yeah. he was a pig. Yeah. Um, mm. And then, so then with Zelda two. Um, basically the idea is it's like centuries in the future and the followers of Ganon have basically tried to resurrect him and that's who you're fighting. Uh, basically the Zelda in the Legend of Zelda is not the same Zelda as Zelda 2. That's her like great, 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 Oh yeah, great, no, great, I'm familiar with great, that. It's how it's just a repeat. Um, yeah. And so in, like Zelda, in Zelda 2, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is Ganon because Ganondorf has died and you know, isn't existing anymore, but Ganon is this spirit okay, so that Ganon, you're fighting. I, I don't know. You, in 2, there really is no Ganon. Until yeah, there is no Ganon until you and die. Then, yeah. And then you just see him go, oh, 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 It's oh. the return of Ganon. Yep. Because um, the idea is that you're preventing his spirit from coming back. Which is badass. Um, like, you're fighting, is. like, a Ganon cult. So, Ganon Dorf... That is pretty cool. Uh, actually, even in... It's just the lore. Um, where the lore, Actually, you know where the lore first appeared? For... It's not specifically linked to the past Ganon 113. there was a graphic novel that was written oh, when the past came out and it appeared in nintendo power in like eight issues i've actually got it if you want to borrow it um, and that that kind of talks about ganondorf fighting ganondorf him going and taking the triforce and turning into ganon and all that okay there is this one part where ganon's arm gets cut off and puts it onto zelda and then ganon's personality <laughs> takes <laughs> <on> <laughs> Brother, <laughs> can we, can we uh, pause real quick? I gotta hit the road. Uh, yeah, we right. pause. I'm pretty sure they correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't just pull this out while well, Oh, yeah, we can. Cool. No, no, no. We can. We can wrap up if you gotta go. Um, do, do you want to wrap up? My account. Well, we have to pull everything apart though. Well, no, we just have to we pull have out to pull his mic. Oh, all right, we can pause for a second. Yeah, just hit, stop the recording. All right, I'll pause it. Uh, Bug up. Um, by the way, for Zelda 2, if you want to have a new appreciation for it, download it on the Wii U and play it on the Wii U because you can save state. And so before you go into somewhere, um, um, anyway. Okay, so. Connect Adventures. Um, we're good? Beautiful. We're back. We're back. So back to Zelda 2. Uh, the thing was, like, I, to the point that you just made, Will, when we weren't recording about being a kid and when that game came out and it's different now, I think, to look on it again, uh, in retrospect, um, I definitely feel that that's a huge part of it. And I, but I even will say having played every Zelda game, big, huge Zelda fan, except for Skyward Sword, I haven't played. Big fan. Um, big fan. Uh, you know, it still doesn't rank as one of my favorites, uh, as one of my, like, top five. Uh, in the series, uh, they're top three, I guess. 
Um, but I respect what the game does. And especially, like you said, when I was a kid, what it did. Right. It, it, it opened up a new perspective of gaming at the time that it came out. I mean, it, it said, hey, let's take this thing that we could easily have made. Especially, you look at how iterative games are now. I mean, one of the reasons I haven't bought a Call of Duty in eight years is because I, I don't want the same game every year. Right. Um, they said... Let's take the original Legend of Zelda, which was immensely successful, and completely change it. Yeah, and I have a lot of respect for that. And and granted, in, you know, in in with history on our side, we can look at it and say, well, maybe it wasn't the best decision, but it's something that I think I can definitely respect. And I think it did a lot to to change how game development happened at that time. And there was still a lot of experimentation, which I think was great. Right. So. And I think the just the world building in that was really interesting like so in my life i've had the feeling of playing zelda 2 three times and it was zelda 2 shadow of the colossus and dark souls that's like i can't really put my finger on it totally i can't really yep describe exactly what it is that feeling but yeah that's interesting so i think okay so we talked about and you had mentioned other come in that like you could play it on the virtual console you go back and play it again i think zelda 2 is one of those games that it's really important to have the nostalgia for that game to go back to it today. Because yeah. now I'm, I would enter that that game, and I've played the, a little. You know, I just, I think for me to go back and like, like I can go back and play. Well, Super Mario World is like objectively just an awesome game. You know why I'm surprised <laughs> though? You, you like challenging mechanics. Like I could see maybe why Dylan wouldn't want to go back and play that game without that nostalgia. Because without that nostalgia. It's just frustrating, and you're like, "Fuck this!" Throw the controller against the wall and stop playing. And I, I could see where that wouldn't appeal to a lot of people, but for you specifically, Mason, I'm surprised because, you know, that's the type of challenge that I, I see you taking on in games a lot and really enjoying. So I'm, I'm just surprised to hear that. That's all. Is is Zelda res- Zelda Two responsive enough? Like, does it have good control over? Link. It's almost too responsive, I think. Yeah. Like the gameplay it's, itself is really fast paced. It is hard. Um but that's the cha- because of that challenge, it's one of those things, you know, back to our conversation a few weeks ago about difficulty in the games and game mechanics. When you succeed at figuring out how to play that game, you feel really it's very gratifying when you're like, Okay, I know how to survive in this game. Because it's survive. It, that game is all about survival. It is hard, um, but yeah. Anyway, it's like one of the first like really fleshed out action RPGs. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Um, I might, so anyway, I, I, might I don't, go back I don't think it's. I, 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 I'm just. I there are a lot of games where that nostalgia thing is hugely important. Like we've talked about it a lot with the Resident Evil games and why, right? You know that that is there. But um, for this particular game, it's it's straight out of eight bit. So you know. Straight out of if 8-bit. you right if you have any kind of desire to play eight bit games, it's typically from a mechanics standpoint at this point or a nostalgia standpoint, and I think for that particular one, it's more about mechanics. Um, I want to remake it really bad. Mm, I feel like a modern remake of that game that would be great would be like or like something like a, like a spiritual successor. Yeah, you know what I mean, like inspired by the same yeah. overworld and then the the drop down to the two D. Yeah. That could be cool. That could be really cool. So. I do think that we, you know, we talk about nostalgia as like rose tinted glasses, and there is a game that I did go back to where I was like, man, I like this game a lot, <laughs> and this game is garbage. I downloaded an N64 emulator. You guys ever played Glover? 
I've heard of Glover. Oh, uh, I remember it. I I may have played it. I don't, I don't think there was ever a point in my life where Is I it thought it was great. Uh, you roll a ball isn't around. It, isn't it like the hamburger helper? Glove? Yeah. See, that's like, what I thought it was, or like the Arby's yeah. glove or something. I don't know what. When I was a kid, I was I was just drawn to this game, and can, it is not great. Can I just can't sidebar here? Um, I was driving down Broad like a week or two back, and you know how they have the Arby's down near the the Science Museum? Mm. Yeah, the big hat. And I love that hat. Yeah, because because you're. Because uh, how would you not love that? Because you yeah, know, Arby's I'm a Southern boy. The best signage, but it's just. Can you imagine the meeting for that hat? It's like, all right, all right, we're gonna. <laughs> I, I've commissioned this giant <laughs> light hat. Um, what are we gonna put on it? What are we gonna put Arby's on it? It's like, no, no, no. That's that's not that's not enough. We <laughs> right. need to put more. All right, how about Arby's roast beef sandwich? It's like our main. That's our main food, right? That's the like thing we're selling. It's like, how about Arby's roast beef sandwich is delicious, <laughs> <laughs> and delicious is going to be on the brim of the hat. See, that's the kind of thing, though, that I think there was no meeting going into it. And some guy was like, I'm going to go do this, and they're going to love it. And they show up, and they're like, Dave, what have you done? We have to spend three months now to dig out of this well, hole. They did, they, did th- they did three here in Richmond that are like that, right? It's just yeah. it's, it's probably the guy that owns the franchise. I think it's, the, I think I it's thought, just this regional. I thought that like the name Arby's was like... I thought that was RB's, like the letter R, the letter B, roast beefs. And so then it's like roast beefs, roast beef sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have a, another funny side note. So I worked for a company um, when I was in high school. This guy owned all the RB franchises in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And he also owned an inflatable company called Arby's Inflatables. And as I worked <laughs> for him, and this is also, he's like the former voice of the Wizards. Like, he was this weird guy. And so I started working for him by doing, I would do yard work for him. And then he was like, oh, you can come help me set up these inflatables. So he pulled up in this truck. And it's got the Arby's logo on it, but it's for inflatable like fun houses. <laughs> so as I'm legal? working there, he gets a cease and desist from yeah. the Arby's that he also owns the franchises from. They're like, "Hey, you can't, you can't do that." <laughs> so what he does is he changes the R B or A R B Y to A R B E E, like on the fucking thing. I'm like, just like oh. out of spite or something, or do you, does he I think he just want to go through and redo all his collateral. So I'm oh. driving this van that's like RBs, and it's like <laughs> it's me and two other guys. I'm the only one that speaks English, and we're just wheeling fun houses everywhere. <laughs> and it was a weird experience. Did RB's the- moon bounce is delicious. <laughs> yeah, does the moon bounce have a giant cowboy? <laughs> no, it was like it's the samurai showdown bounce house, and it's like, what am I doing? What is this? And he was this super like wealthy dude. And I think at that point he was older, so he was just like, you can go "I'm gonna play ball. I just see how I this just goes." This guy I'm wearing like a seersucker suit and a cowboy hat, and like rolling, and be like, "Well, Mason, we're gonna be called Arby's now." And he turns <laughs> the hat around. That's the new spelling. No joke. And this guy was super kind, and he, he, was, he was very nice to give me a job. I walk into his home, and he has a big home. He's like, we're going to meet my business manager, and I can't make this up. I walk into his home, and there's a fold-out table in the middle of his foyer. It's big-ass foyer with one guy with a laptop. Oops. And he's like, I'm the business manager. This is my office in this huge room in his home. And I was so confused. <laughs> so that's shaped I was life. hoping you he'd like open the door, and it's like a cocker spaniel or something. <laughs> That'd be pretty good, yeah, too. That's why he expected like his dog. Yeah, that's like a rich dude. It's just like, you're, uh, a good, you're a good business manager, Mr. <laughs> Fluffles. It was so weird, because it was just this guy, and it's like, fold out card table 
on a stool, just like typing away in his foyer, and then like his wife's <laughs> like walking could, around upstairs like clearly, laundry baskets. I'm like, this guy could clearly afford to rent like an office space on the downtown. No, he mall had his office like space that. full of inflatables. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could totally put this a drug front. In. This is obviously a drug front. Uh, but the business manager was just sick of everybody blowing up the inflatables <laughs> and playing all day. Dude, it was. They were very heavy. Do you remember really uh, Popeye's Pizza on uh, Belvedere? Popeye's. Uh, what are they closed now? <laughs> Oh, too but, bad. Yeah, it was it was next to that get the Seven Eleven on a oh, yeah, canal yeah, 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 yeah. In, in Belvedere, and it's like I only went in there when I was like pretty inebriated. <laughs> Every time I walk I walked by that place, I was like, "You're gonna be closed soon. You're not gonna last very long. You're it's gonna like get a sick thing to say something. I mean, I know I know it's a, for a while. <laughs> walk by, just opens up the door. You're gonna be closed soon. Slams the door. Keeps walking down the street. <laughs> do you know? Do you know Asante's? Do you know Asante's? Pizza? Yeah, I know Asante's. Yeah. Um, you want to place a delivery for three hours later? In order for I, I had a, I had a uh, classmate tell me this story that he had a friend come in that didn't didn't live in Richmond that came out of town. And he's like, "Man, I'm going to take you to the best pizza." And he purposely took him to Asante's <laughs> at like you know ten at night, and they got Asante's, and then he was just pissed at his friend the entire the rest of the trip he was here. <laughs> Uh, they, Asante's is a weird place. Which one? Is that the one by the subway? Yeah, it's one broad. That subway is just a hallway <laughs> that you walk into. Have you been oh, to that yeah. subway? On like, it's like Belvedere. It's like and a pop-up Boulevard. subway. I mean, Boulevard and uh, Broad. That place is weird. Yeah? I've only ever had like really weird experiences. Like one time we went in there to pick up, I, I guess we're going to Asante's or, or Subway, and um, there's just this guy sitting on a couch in the middle of the parking lot at like 11 o'clock. And... <laughs> We just sit and watch him while Sarah's like going into the subway and he gets up, looks in the cushion for something, puts it back down and then sits back down. And I always <laughs> want to know like, what what was he looking for in the this cushion? Is like, this is like the briefcase in Reservoir Dog. Yes. <laughs> or or, or, or Pulp Fiction. It just glows. Yeah. Well, I want to know like, what if he found what he was looking for? What if it was like a TV remote and he just sat there just kind of like flicking the TV remote <laughs> just awesome. in the middle of the parking lot? I've cover. seen multiple crimes happen in subways. Yeah, subways are like a, a pretty, especially the ones over on on the that intersection. You can that tell, like, so so like you can see that. You I'm mean pretty, besides the prices for a foot yeah. long? <laughs> but like you can see, I'm a pretty chubby dude, and so no. like here's here's a here's one of the reasons why, and it's because like growing up, I just learned that like the food I want to eat is unhealthy. The food I don't really want to eat is healthy. So like I would go to McDonald's and I'd want to eat all my fries, and so then like. You know, I'm like 30-something, and I'm being like, I'm going to eat my burgers first. Be a little healthy today. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing with Subway, where I'm like, Subway's like a really fancy, healthy place. And like, the older I get, the more I go into Subways and see like people robbing people. I'm like, maybe Subway isn't like as classy as I thought it was. Yeah. That was another thing. It's like, healthy food is always classy. It is. Mm -hmm. Pinky out, man. Yeah. We're going to get the lettuce on my burger this time. Yeah. I'm going to splurge. <laughs> get extra stuff on my burger because it's healthy. <laughs> Take the bun off. It helps. So, oh, Subway Podcast, episode 30. <laughs> this podcast sponsored by... <laughs> my, um... Jared Fult. Oh, Jared. No, Arby's Bounce no, House. No. Arby's Bounce House. Arby's Bounce House. Boots and cats and boots and cats. Um, um oh good. My uh former roommate told me how he had he worked at a car dealership once and his boss had him go get uh I think it was Wendy's. He wanted like two of the pretzel bun 
uh, burgers that they have now, but he wanted no carb. So, <laughs> so, he, so he goes. <laughs> he like goes to the way he's like, I want the pretzel burger, n- no carb. And I think they just put like two pieces of lettuce on <laughs> either end of the burger. So is it just a regular burger? Like, no, what, is it what makes it a pretzel burger? Yeah, but you're bun? paying extra for the pretzel bun that you're throwing away. Yeah, why would you order a burger sans bun? I, I don't know. Hardee's de- did that for a second. They were like, carb-free burgers, only $2 more or something. And it was just like, this is literally a burger with less burger. Like, <laughs> Why are you charging me more for this? Right. It's that not like it's not like animals are being tortured to harvest the bread, you know. <laughs> so it's just like this is literally the easiest thi- like modification you can do to your own burger. Arby's carb-free burger is delicious. <laughs> Carb, carby. I just don't get the point of ordering a pretzel burger. Like, yeah, it's just I don't know. car dealerships, man. Is it Thor? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's Thor. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a weird place too to go in. So the guy that he's talking about is this, this huge guy. Like very very. You had a roommate named Thor. No, we had his a former roommate Matt Burgett. It's a long story. So he was on the rowing team, but he's jacked. Like mm. this guy is. He's a state trooper. Now. Like he he's yeah. two hundred pounds of just muscle, and but and he's blonde, but he's like buzz cut like me. Gotcha. And some I don't know who 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 called him Thor originally. We had a lot of Matts on the team, so I started calling. That's him Thor. right, because we had American Matt, we had Canadian Matt, and then we had Thor Matt. <laughs> the rowing team is very bad at so names. If, you're, if you ever pulled over by a jack dude named Thor, be like, "Oh, I know just, Dylan." If you have, Ask if him you have, you some pretzel burgers. Yeah, if you have a hamburger with a bun on hand, you just toss that at him and speed off. <laughs> I don't even know how we got here. I don't know how to like circle back. Arby's. I'm thinking Arby's. So, um, while we, you know, when I wanted to ask you this, kind of just like uh, Dan and I, you know, the, the, the school we go to. Uh, they emphasize a lot of like process and like you go to be conceptual and you gotta you gotta come up with like you know and they're they're very very hard on you and they're you know whatever but they want they kind of want you to get to like to ideas and like you know we go to a design program so it's a lot of like uh, UX UI stuff we study mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of thing but we we talk about kind of, like enjoying the process and like and like figuring out like how you like to think through stuff so it's kind of like wondering like you know we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier but just like when you're going into making something. What do you, what's the scramble like? Like, what's the. Uh, so, for Game Jam specifically, yeah. what I have been doing is uh, I, come, I come up with a bunch of ideas first. And then I take the dumbest sounding idea and I try to make it make sense. That's pretty good. Because I think it's the kind of thing where, like, it's when you're conceptualizing, you're in this headspace where you're trying to be clever or whatever. And with games, like, it's cool to have clever games. That's not me, though. Like, I'm, I try and be kind of clever with my games, but I'm not trying to be, like, Jonathan Blow or anything. Clevergames.tumblr.com? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to take the dumbest idea, because generally the dumbest idea is the most fun idea. Like, well, there's probably some sim- simplicity to it. Right. It yeah. Helps. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That goes a long way. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of process because my working environment like basically i'm i'm a super lazy dude like i don't i don't i'm not i have a pretty good work ethic if i'm like at a job but like when i'm working on my own stuff i'm just like fuck doing this like (laughs) i feel so much better if i'm not having fun i'm like not actively avoiding shit so like with process stuff like 
so for instance i use a i use a, a tile map program called uh, ogmo tile editor okay um and it has like eight or nine tools in it it has it has a lot of utility to it but it's a very simple thing and so like people will always be like why aren't you using tile like tile does so much more has many more features and like it's actively developed like the guy has a patreon he's still making it ogmo hasn't been updated in several years and stuff and like the the real reason is because like tiled isn't fun tiled looks like shit like it doesn't i'm not like in into it right but like ogmo is super simple has less tools and like feels cute so i'm just like yeah I'll have you seen that sprite editor thing. that super like japanese one or you know talking about like the animation one a sprite a sprite yeah is that what it is like i've tried to get into that several times but i just hate the way like it just it sucks to use i love it I, really I, yeah well maybe I, you can I, show we, me how to use it next time we might have a similar kind of because because the first time i used it i was, I like, was like overwhelmed this this ui's gotta go like i don't like this. it looks like ms paint like yeah oh man but it, yeah it looks like old like the interface Squares. so like pixin like because pixin looks very ms painty too I can't remember what Pixin looks like. It was like our sprite area we were using for a little bit. The green one? I've got Pixin. If you want to I like it. Pixin. Well, anyways, tell me. Yeah, yeah, so like the first time I used it, I was just like, I can't get into this. Like the UI is like dumb. <laughs> dumb. But then I tried again and I was like, you know, I could, I, I, I might be able to get into this UI. Like it's, it's feels like a step back, but it's the same thing where it was just like, once I kind of got a hang of it, I was like, oh, okay, this is fun to use. Like, really? The way the layers and animations, like it's not, you don't have layers over here and then animations over here. It's just like, oh my god, that's what I want so bad. Yeah, so like basically for animation, I, I've yet to find anything that's as. So you don't animate in Photoshop. I used to. I don't. I don't like to. Do it's, it, it just it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah it's and I not. like making animations. You know, like I like the act of like doing it. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Photoshop, there's so many things that I do wrong in it because I'm just bad in Photoshop. And I think you, you like Photoshop a little more, so you're probably I better. I love in it. Photoshop. Well, that's because he, for photography. Like, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, that's, I mean, that's, it's a comfort a level thing. It's, a, it's totally a comfort level thing. And I'm, I'm only, I only love Photoshop because I've spent years, like, yeah, just taking class after class and reading book after book and practice, practice, practice. And, like, I even then. Frustrated. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an example of that, what happens when the iterative process takes place on a product over. 28 or 30 years like i think it's like 25 something like that is at a certain point the iterations become so minuscule that you're just adding tiny little changes that <laughs> becomes feature bloat and it's like you get this co complicated program that takes forever to learn um so i mean that's where photoshop's at right now i, I mean i use photoshop primarily i for illustration, yeah, I mean, is that what you use it for? Will uh, now or do you illustrate or you sorta? I guess drawn other things. I think with Adobe, Adobe's bullshit because <laughs> I agree. You can like, like Photoshop like is a photo editing tool, right? Right. But Adobe, like, they sort of have, but they haven't really realized that like photographers don't need Photoshop anymore. Like. What's the tool? Light like Lightbox? Yeah. Lightroom. Lightroom. Lightroom is like... Depends on the photographer. Depends on what you do. Right. But the thing is, is like people have been using Photoshop for illustration and design for the past like 
as long as I can remember. Yeah, 10, yeah. 15 years. And it's same a with, same with, it. Same with Adobe Flash. Like, there's, they were still like, you know, Flash is a cool website building tool. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, let me tell you about that. Because no, it's not. Like, <laughs> it's an well, animation tool. Adobe Muse, which is my like, bane of my existence. <laughs> right. And it's just like, Adobe doesn't really have their eye on what people are using their programs for. So Photoshop, for instance, why even have the animation tools in there? Because it sucks for animation. Yeah, and if I could learn After Effects a little better, uh, but you can, it's hard for game animation, but you can do stuff in After Effects that I really like too. Right. I was looking at um Spine. Have you ever looked at Spine? Spine. Yeah. yeah. Spine is um it's animation for two like D bone animation. Yeah. So you're like you rig, oh, that's a, cool. you rig a skeleton to a two D drawing. I want because I I do like you can do that in um Illustrator where you can do paths that are that you can puppet. Oh God, right, what right. do you do it in? You can do, you can do puppet warp in Photoshop. Puppet Warp's easy. But he's talking about rigging like a skeleton. No, it's an After Effects you can do. Yeah, but you can, you can, that's what Puppet... Do you know what Puppet Warp is? Yeah, you showed it to me. You know yeah, what Puppet is? Game do you know what Puppet is? Do you know what Warp is? <laughs> you see my you know, you know, do you know what The is? Warp Drive? Tahi? Um, no, but yeah, Puppet, puppet Warp skele- basically skeletonizes and then you create pivot points. I think the next Game Jam, I'll try um, A-Sprite again. And I'll just keep throwing myself at it. But Dylan can tell you that I, I get frustrated really easily. Like The way we used oh, yeah. to make Sprite Sheets, I would just... I would get so mad because we used to like make actual like we would do the grid and, and like place it one by one. Right. And I just. I don't know. Yeah. Before I understood like the 2D things or anything, I would make everything in 3D. I remember that like that La Partage demo we had. It, it was a plane. Right. And then I would turn the sprite into a texture and then I would put the texture on the plane. And then I found some script somewhere on like the Unity, you know, help forms or the Unity wiki. And it would take um a sprite sheet and then manually split it up whereas now there's right. a sprite editor like built in that'll divide it into grids but it would and then it would move through each cell of the sprite sheet manually but i had to put that script into anything i needed to animate right so it was just everywhere yeah that's how i used to do it in photoshop i would just do it by hand i would do i would say like okay so if this is like an eight by eight thing yeah i would take i would leave zero layers one through eight alone grab the rest of them pull them down 16 do that iteratively and then do like okay leave one alone get two through eight and then leave nine alone get and like move them over so it was like grid based doing it one by one but mm-hmm. it was still just like nope it's just not i feel like it, it when the the software gets in the way of like the fun of doing the the this stuff which i know you're still gonna get that a lot but right and i mean like like that's the thing like if I need to just like throw some pictures together or something, I'll open up Photoshop in like a flash. Like, yeah, Photoshop's a really great you tool. Open but flash in like, Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's it's bloated, and like I was using it for animation just because like I yeah I know I know Photoshop so mm-hmm. this is where I feel comfortable. But then yeah, doing animation in Photoshop is doable, but it's just not fun. I do like fucking images up. And save for web and Photoshop. Yeah, like we save for web is pretty. Save for web is pretty sweet. You just go in and deconstruct all the colors and stuff. Yeah, a bunch of my um, a bunch of the other student workers at my job, they're all graphic design students. And for one of their assignments, they had to manipulate an image. So you would open the image in a file editor, and it just shows you all the. It's not even XML. It's just like basically all the characters that they're using to represent the image. Right. It's just random characters, and the for the assignment, they just had to like select a swath of characters and then delete it or cut it out or move Ooh, it. And then cool. they would open it up in Photoshop or preview. And then they would see how the, the image. So sometimes like the, they 
the top half of the image would be replaced with the bottom half or it'd be mirrored uh, or tiled or sometimes like it would look like it was vhs artifact yeah it would look like that's, vhs I love artifact. That. i love that and i was like that looks cool you should animate that and <laughs> she was like man. that's a good idea and so she made a little animation cycle of it like that's freaking cool. out cool yeah well dan you got anything else no well thank you for coming on the podcast thank man. you for having me thank you so awesome. much where can uh people who are interested in rva game jams where can they find out more uh we have rvgamejams.com. We're kind of in the process of uh, designing a new site for that. Um, but generally, the Facebook group is the best mm-hmm. place to go because we have like the interaction. And yeah, you guys easy. are pretty active on yeah. posting on there. So yeah, the if you go on Facebook, it's just RVA Game Jams, the public group. So. Check and then you want what about uh, uh, your game site? Uh, Do you have a site for that now? You can go to like zero one zero one zero one 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 dot itch dot io to see some of my games. You can go on. You can go to redshift dot blue slash shift to see some redshift dot blue shift. Sweet action. Or you could just go on Steam and search for redshift blue shift. Because you did you did greenlight. Yep. That's sweet. Yep. It's all up on Steam. It's got all the trading cards, all the achievements, all the. Oh, that's cool. Did you like that process? <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> well, it's we might want to ask you about it. Yeah. Uh, another. I mean, um, I'm definitely curious about like the business side. Yeah, of we definitely want to know. I mean, like business-wise, it might be like I said. Like, if I'm not having fun, it's just like this is bullshit. Why would they do it this way? <laughs> so, like, okay. So the gist of that conversation is like, just use itch. Just use itch.io. Really? If you're making games or if you're buying games, like. Everybody I go to, I'm like, just use itch if you want to buy indie games. Gotta and they're get like, on itch. why would I do that? And I'm Put like, peek on itch. And like, they're, they're just like, Steam's so much better than itch. And it's like, okay, open up Steam, open up itch, tell me which one looks more fun. Every time it's itch. Hands well, itch, down, without a it doubt. Seems to have traction with like people that are kind of in that scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Steam just must have that wider. It's so big. It's, so huge. it's like the it's difference amazing. between going to like GameStop and going to like Bits and Pixels or. Right. Whatever tech exchange where like GameStop is just ubiquitous right and Steam's become that where it's just it's where you go because it has the launcher with all your games already in there yeah how big would you say like the the user base on itch is it's really small but it's like if you have a small indie game like it's it's not quite there yet but I think that in the next couple years if you have a small indie game, putting it on itch will probably net you more revenue than Steam now. Right. Because Steam is just like they open the gates. It's just now, a flood. Yeah. yeah. And Greenlight did that tenfold, right? Just there's yeah. so much more just, the the shelf space is crammed. That and like Steam Steam like Valve is pretending like they're curating at all. And that's like the biggest lie ever told. Wasn't that what that huge update was for? Basically, kind of yeah. like algorithmize. Yeah, but like, like I don't know what that algorithm. Is. Like, it might just be alphabetical or something. Like, <laughs> it's such bullshit. Like, I've, I've a redshift. Like, basically, I don't know. If you were to like correlate that update with what I've bought on Steam, you would probably see that I haven't really bought anything on Steam in the past like couple years. Well, my library on Steam is absurd. Like, so, I have like three, four hundred games in Steam. And it's because it used to be so dope. Like the stuff I'd see on the front page would be stuff I want. Now it's like, oh, okay. Like I, I, I got had a full boyfriend in a bundle, and now what? All you want to do is sell me like 
more anime yeah. visual novels like yeah. it's the amazon problem yeah. you know where, where these these algorithmic things that are showing you things that they think you're interested in are showing you what you already have right and there's 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 either a more human touch to add to it or that's interesting though where is itch i don't know what they're doing I, th- I think it's just a you know a couple of dudes leaf and amos being like let's this game's cool let's put their it on site the looks awesome i think yeah. it looks just great yeah so. and so like the idea that like you need to curate stuff is like the idea that Steam is like having a hard time curating, like I don't buy that at all. Really? Because Itch has way more games. Like people just upload unfinished game jam games on there like every day. And they have no problem curating. And what did like Newgrounds do when I was a kid? Because I would go on Newgrounds and play games all the time and you'd find new games all the time. And I feel like I don't have that as much anymore. Or even the app. Newgrounds was really cool, I think, because of the community. Like yeah, the forums. I mean, not to say that like <laughs> the Newgrounds community in like two thousand wasn't like the worst toxic place <laughs> it's on the probably internet. like a little little column but, A, a little column B. <laughs> but what would happen is like you would have the community was like they knew each other. They knew yeah. who would make the cool stuff. So if somebody made a cool game, it would get a lot of attention. Do you get a lot of feedback on Itch that you 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 like to see, or uh, more so than Steam? I think. Yeah. Um, we have, you know, maybe a couple hundred users that bought it and played it through Itch. Really. And the thing is, I hear from them more so on like social networks and stuff. Like they they actually connect with me. Whereas on Steam, it's like that's the platform. So. All of our feedback from that is through the reviews and the message boards, which is kind of cool. I mean, like, I like that about Steam, but... But it's a little less personal. Yeah. Well, I think that if you're, like, going into it and you're like, hey, I want to get a game out there, maybe trying to find a community around a thing, it just probably... It sounds a little more intimate. Yeah. Which is really important. I think it's... it's, There's so much out there. I think I first heard it from Moment, because Moment kind of puts all this stuff on itch. He's been on itch for a long time. Um, what about have you tried anything else like Humble or uh, Gog or anything mess with those um, I haven't been on Humble or any of those we've we're still kind of working on the non-Steam version of Redshift Blue Shift because we added so much to the Steam version just because it was like oh shit we got it ready for Steam you know uh, that we kind of have to tear that out and then put in some other stuff to replace it but uh, so hopefully soon we'll do that but like personally we had our game on Groupies which is another bundle site and like the thing with bundle sites is that you just have to be realistic with yourself and be like you know this is going to give me a huge boost in visibility mm-hmm. it'll give me a decent boost in cash but it'll be at the cost of giving away like ten thousand copies of my game for like a buck a piece or something right and it's really not a buck a piece it's like 10 cent a piece or oh because the margin on it yeah, yeah. so do you so it's the kind of thing where like if you're if you're honest with yourself and you go through it it'll be an okay experience like we had a great experience because we were on green light we put it on bundle this bundle and then everybody that bought the bundle was like yeah i want this on steam and went and oh it that's green light. So, oh like, so so you didn't have to be on steam to be in the bundle you right. just gave like an executable or something yeah and they okay and so that that was a big help because like i knew that this would be it's like kind of a tenuous decision to be like, okay, I'm going to devalue my game before it's even really released on Steam. Yeah. But at the same time, it got us on Steam. So if I were to do it again, I might not do that. But but now you have a, right. a, a semi like following. Like, like that's, right. yeah. you know, and that's, that's the collab. I mean, that's the, um, that's the currency of like building a presence on the web. Cause I think as right. an independent developer, that's you're fighting against marketing budgets. Yeah. And if, and if you're greenlit, do you have to go through that process again with the next game? 
it's or they not sometimes tell you? I, I would imagine yes now it, you, basically it was the kind of thing where it was like if you're in with valve you're good you know but like that i think I'm, i have a feeling that's changed with so many on yeah and they make that claim i mean way back when it's like if you got on steam at all you're you would be good but right. now obviously with green light and stuff yeah and back. it was also like it was also like if you're on steam if you're putting your game on steam like they'll help you out they'll like they'll help you price your game and they'll do all this stuff because they have all the experience and like that none of that is true anymore valve doesn't give a fuck anymore <laughs> they're, they're all just rolling their desk around. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're rolling, like th- that's the thing is like it's yeah, hard to roll a desk in a room that's filled with money like, <laughs> like that's the thing I, of them. and you know we've you, you hear it on all the you know like the this the game scene itself i, I do feel like there's a a more uh not anti-valve sentiment but kind of like you know, for so long, people thought Valve was always working in their interest, but right. more and more, it's like, no, Valve's just a big company, and they're yeah. going to do what big companies do, and yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like, I, I still, I still, I still like Steam. I use Steam. You know, I, I still, I'm, I'm Steam. glad we're on Steam, and we'll probably try and get on Steam in the future. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, like, if you want to have fun doing this, check out Itch, have fun there, and then get on Steam. Like, I think that's super. I think my favorite thing that that you said is just like the constant. I think as an, especially when you're like doing your own games like on your especially on the side right like having you got to have that excitement part of it right because yeah. once it gets dull it's gonna it's gonna come through in the the work too yeah 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 Dan yeah yeah fuck Photoshop <laughs> <laughs> yeah well cool Will it's been awesome thanks for it's been real it's been fun Dylan you got anything no I'm good you sure yeah. War-games.com. Yeah. That's a website. Yeah. It's, it's occasionally broken a lot of times. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> uh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Bye, Dan. Bye, Mason. Bye, Dylan. Goodbye. Bye, Will. See you later.